This is Radio Orbit, exploring the secrets of everything on KOPN 89.5 FM, Columbia. to you, or good day to you, I guess I need to say that as well now, 
somebody reminded me that when they're listening over the web, they're not always listening in the evening or in the morning. So, anyway, good morning or good evening or good day to you. This is Mike Hagan. You're listening to Radio Orbit on KOPN 89.5 FM, mid-Missouri source for in-depth news, diverse talk, and music of the world. It's more than radio. It's community radio. It's your imagination station, and it's KOPN, the home for Radio Orbit. As I said, this is Mike Hagan. I come to you every Sunday morning from 2 o'clock until 5 o'clock, three hours of radio strangeness for your uh, middle-of-the-night enjoyment. Let me say a quick thank you to Gail. Uh, just finishing up her show here a few minutes ago, Heart and Soul, always on uh, from midnight until 2 a.m., just uh, setting up Radio Orbit so nicely every week. So anyway, thanks to Gail. And uh, if you didn't hear, about a half hour ago she slipped up and she played Etta James' Hoochie Coochie Woman and she said she really wasn't planning on playing that. But I just want to say thanks. I'm glad she slipped up because I don't think it was a slip-up. I think it was meant to be played and it was a great song. It's one of my favorites. So anyway, um, <clears throat> we'll, uh, we'll try to continue that trend as well and play some good music for you as well tonight. Uh, as, uh, and also talk about uh, interesting things. We're going to talk a little bit more about the tsunami and related uh, events that have taken place in uh, South Central Asia over the last couple of weeks. Lots of interesting things that are still rolling out of that whole uh, incredible story. Um, some wonderful things happening as well as some pretty, uh, pretty nasty things, but we're going to talk about a lot of that tonight. We're also going to have, um, it was kind of a... Uh, 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 kind of a quick decision, uh, but I got a hold of Scott Stevens earlier today. Uh, if you remember, Scott is a meteorologist, uh, weatherman, out in the state of Idaho, and uh, he was on the air a few weeks ago with us and uh, talking about uh, weather modification and weather manipulation and some of the things that he sees as a meteorologist and things that he uh, thinks are happening in the weather systems and in the skies above our heads. So uh, with the interesting weather that we've seen across the country over the last couple weeks, actually, and in fact over the last week in, in particular, um, Scott uh, has some insights that he'd like to share with us about that stuff. So we'll, we'll, uh, we'll have Scott Stevens on the air in about an hour. I'm not sure exactly when, and he'll probably be on Oh, for about an hour or so. So uh, we'll see. Uh, we'll see where that goes, and um, we'll have Scott on in just a little bit. Uh, just a little bit, okay? Uh, let's take care of some business here, real fast. Uh, thanks last week also to Johnny Payton. Uh, Johnny was in the studio with me last week. Played some live music toward the end of the show. If you were lucky enough to catch it, uh, good for you. That was world premiere stuff. Uh, some new stuff that Johnny's working on that he hasn't played for anybody before. And I, uh, because he lives in Denver, Colorado, uh, he wasn't uh, too afraid to pull some of his new stuff out of the bag and play it here on the radio for y'all. So, uh, so hope y'all enjoyed that and uh, check out Johnny if you get uh, out Denver way. Also, um, thanks for everybody who sent emails in the last week. I appreciate it, as always. Hello to everyone listening over the web, uh, people listening to the archives. I have some pretty interesting news, some fun uh, and good news, I hope, uh, about the, uh, the future of the uh, broadcast setup for Radio Orbit. I'm looking at a couple of other options uh, other than just uh, the station live, like we're doing right now, and the, ar and the archives that... Uh, where we upload the programs to every Monday or Tuesday. So if you don't know, these programs are available online, all of the shows that have been done since uh, July of last year. 
are up on the web, and uh, that website is www.radioorbit, R-A-D-I-O-R-B-I-T dot com, radioorbit, uh, radioorbit dot com. Having a hard time talking tonight, apparently. So, anyway, radioorbit.com with just one O in the middle there, not two O's, just one. They share the O, okay? Okay, uh, also, email address. My email address here at the station. Uh, right now, you can get me real time at radioorbit at AOL.com, or um, I take that back. Uh, the email address is actually orbitradio, O R B I T radio, at AOL.com. And people out there, I might as well explain this now. I've been saying this for weeks, and people are probably like, okay, the website is radioorbit.com, but the email address is orbitradio.com. Well, the Radio Orbit address that I wanted at AOL wasn't available for some reason. So uh, that's the way it goes. So uh, listen, if you want to send me an email, send it to orbitradio, O-R-B-I-T-R-A-D-I-O, at AOL.com, and I will uh, try to address it, okay? Um, tonight's guest, like we said, Scott Stevens, will be talking about meteorology and weather modification and weather manipulation. Scott's been on the show before. He was on a few weeks ago. Uh, did uh, shared some airtime with Kent Stedman uh, back in November. Maybe it was December. I'm not sure. Maybe at the beginning of December. We'll do space weather in a minute. Uh, first, we'll talk about some upcom- upcoming guests. Uh, we're going to try to. I'm going to make space space weather real quick this week. There's not a whole lot going on, and I have some other. Uh, a number of stories that I want to get to in this first hour, and I don't know if I'll have enough time if I do a, a long bit on space weather. So we'll just kind of blow through that here in a few minutes, and uh, then we'll get on with things, okay? Uh, next week, I'll be airing an interview with an ethnobotanist from Costa Rica. His name is Jonathan Miller Weisberger, and uh, Jonathan is a, a wonderful scientist doing some great work down there in Central America uh, on the coast of Costa Rica on the Pacific coast there, a beautiful area called uh, De Osa, the Osa Peninsula. And uh, Jonathan is the steward and uh, the operator of a uh, retreat and uh, uh, a botanical uh, sanctuary, I guess is a good word for it, a botanical sanctuary down there in Costa Rica. And uh, that is called Guaria De Osa, which really means the orchid of the Osa. And uh, I'm going to be talking with Jonathan more in the future. We're going to try to start a regular uh, sort of a regular. He'll be one of the regulars that will be on the program every few months or stuff, bringing us updates on uh, some of the things that are happening down there in Central and South America. But the work that Jonathan is doing with um, medicinal plants and indigenous folklore and the historical methods and uses of all of these plants in the uh, equatorial rainforest down there is invaluable work and uh, I couldn't be uh, more happy to be involved with Jonathan and uh, I was connected with Jonathan through Dennis McKenna and uh, a number of other ethnobotanists and people that are interested in this sort of stuff Uh, and so Jonathan and I will be talking uh, a taped interview that I did actually a couple of weeks ago Jonathan was standing out on a rock uh, in the middle of the, well, I shouldn't say in the middle, but about a mile off the Costa Rican coastline on an island, a little small island where he has to take a boat out there anytime he wants to use the telephone. So Jonathan took his little boat out to his little rock and sat out on the rock for two hours and talked to me 
uh, live on the telephone. It wasn't the greatest connection. Uh, as you'll see uh, next week when I air that interview, I'll try to clean it up a little bit when I do the edit. But anyway, real cool stuff from Jonathan Weisberger down there at Guaria de Osa in Costa Rica. Anybody who's interested in ethnobotanicals and uh, 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 folk botanic medicine and uh, historical folklore, uh, go check them out at Guaria de Osa. Dot com. That's G-U-A-R-A-R-I-A-D-E-O-S-A dot com. Guaria de Osa. G-U-A-R-I-A-D-E-O-S-A dot com. All right. Okay. Uh, let's see. Next week, Jonathan Miller Weisberger, ethnobotanist, uh, steward of Guaria de Osa, as I mentioned. Paul LaViolette, Ph.D. astrophysicist, coming up the week after that. Nick Cook, the former aerospace editor from Jane's Defense Weekly coming up to talk about anti-gravity technology and the classified underground backroom back channel world of classified black operation technology and anti-gravity technology uh, Sean Montgomery talking about Royal Raymond Rife that'll be coming up within a month or so Dr. Rupert Sheldrake Ph.D. evolutionary biologist from Cambridge University will be on the program in not, uh, not more than a couple months. We've still got to work that thing out with Rupert because he's probably about the most busiest, high-profile guy that we've had on the program so far, other than maybe Dennis. But uh, anyway, uh, Michael Heisen, Dr. Michael Heisen, uh, Ph.D. marine biologist, does incredible work with dolphins and whales out in Hawaii. Dr. Heisen will be back on the program with his associate, Paradise Newland in a few weeks or a month or two, I'm not sure exactly. And uh, lots of other things lined up that I'm working on that I'll be bringing to you in the next couple of months. So hope you all uh, enjoying those guests and you've liked the stuff we've been bringing over the last few weeks. And uh, we just uh, plan on doing more of the same for the rest of this year, okay? One last time, email address orbitradio at aol.com. The website, www.radioorbit.com. Phone number, if you want to call me here in the studio... Um, the number here is area code 573-874-5676. Also, if you're outside of the, uh, out of the 573 area code, you can call it 1-800-895-5676. And uh, later on, if we open up the phone lines, I don't know if we will or not, if you want to get on the air with Scott Stevens in a little while, that number will be 573-443-8255. All right, and uh, top of the hour, 45 minutes or so from now, I'll probably give away a uh, Orbit uh, archive CD-ROM, cyberspaceorbit.com, maybe a Fate Magazine uh, subscription or something like that. Okay? All right. <clears throat> we'll be back in a minute. We'll do space weather. And uh, before that, we'll play a little music. And what are we going to do first here? This is from the Low Millions. It's called Eleanor. We'll be back in a minute. You're listening to Mike Hagan on Radio Orbit.
KOPN. This is Mike Hagan. And, uh, yeah, that's a pretty cool tune called Eleanor from the new CD from Low Millions. Uh, and we'll be playing some other new music tonight as well. Okay, uh, Radio Orbit, KOPN, 21 minutes after 2 o'clock on Sunday morning, the 9th of January. Let's do space weather real fast here. Like I said before, not a whole lot going on. Um, if you're in the upper latitudes, you probably had a pretty pretty cool aurora uh, show in the last night or two. There was a pretty strong geomagnetic storm that uh, peaked about a day or so ago, and uh, there were actually some pretty cool photos up on the web of some great northern lights from uh, up around the northern Minnesota and uh, Toronto area. Uh, that storm has since sort of subsided and uh, auroras later tonight and tomorrow and the next day will probably be pretty unlikely so uh, if you had an opportunity to see some of those lights in the last couple nights good for you okay uh, the green comet that's cruising across the sky right now that I mentioned last week comet Matchholtz uh, sort of right now is just moving past the Pleiades uh, a couple of days ago actually was sort of right in the constellation of the Pleiades and so close that uh, the ion tail of the comet seemed to almost touch the uh, almost touched the stars there, and it was really cool. So, uh, if you missed uh, if you missed the Pleiades and the Comet that are doing their show on Friday night, you can try it again tonight. Um, they'll still be pretty close together. Step outside anytime uh, uh, early on, I guess. In fact, uh, tonight you'll have to get out about nine o'clock um, and look toward the south. Uh, the Pleiades, if you're looking for the Pleiades, they sort of look like a miniature little dipper. 
and the comet will have a green sort of tint to it. And it'll be a little bit fuzzy. It'll look like a fuzzy star. So look towards the Pleiades around 9 o'clock. It's toward the south, uh, not too far above the horizon. And uh, you should uh, be able to see the Pleiades with Comet Matchholt sort of cruising right through them. And it's a pretty astounding sight. Anytime we get a naked eye comet, uh, a comet that we can actually see without the assistance of a telescope or binoculars or things like that. It's a pretty uh, pretty striking event, actually. And if you do have a pair of binoculars or if you have a small telescope or a large telescope, it becomes even more interesting and more amazing. So that's going on right now. Uh, not a whole lot else going on with space weather. The solar wind is kicking up about 400, uh, uh, 400 kilometers per second. And uh, other than that, we're not going to talk about too much else. There's no... Uh, potentially hazardous asteroids, near-Earth asteroids that I want to talk about right now. And, of course, as we've learned over the last month or so, the potentially hazardous asteroids, the near-Earth objects, the Earth-crossing asteroids and meteors and comets that we talk about, uh, the more we talk about them, the more I hope you guys understand that the ones we know about are not the ones that we really have to be concerned about. The ones we know about are obviously in the known category. It's the unknown category that everybody uh, gets so bent out of shape all about. So anyway, so uh, nothing uh, too striking to speak of there, okay? So let's just get right on with it here. There is a story uh, that has been developing over the last couple of months, actually, and I can't remember if I actually... uh, covered this story early on. I may have mentioned it briefly. Uh, there's been quite a bit of UFO activity uh, uh, activity in India, and uh, in particular, um, there have been a number of stories in the India Daily and in the India Times, which are the two, the two largest newspapers in the country of India. Um, and uh, they're actually talking about ET contact. And uh, don't uh, shoot the messenger here. Uh, I'm just delivering the stories. But um, this is one that I wanted to mention because I have been following it for a couple months and it hasn't died down. In fact, it's getting a little bit louder. So I'll read a little bit of this to you and um, you guys uh, make what you will of it and go do a little bit of, re- little bit of research on your own, okay? Um, the uh, title of the story says, India may be the first country to explain to the world about extraterrestrial and UFO contact. The secret debate is on. New Delhi is in the middle of a big secret internal debate. On one side, the largest democracy of the world is eager to explain to its citizens and to the world about ongoing contact with UFOs and extraterrestrials. On the other hand, they are, they are, there is invisible untold international protocols that prohibit doing anything that may cause worldwide fear or panic. It is well accepted between UFO and extraterrestrial experts that all five nuclear powers are in contact with the beings from other stars and have been for quite some time. Recently, India has seen enormous news on UFO contacts and secret UFO bases in the Himalayas near the Chinese border. In Ladakh, for example, the locals clearly point out the everyday phenomenon of large triangular spacecraft coming out below the ground and Indian security forces protecting them. Military officials and politicians have confessed the fact that India has been contacted. India has been told the rules of the the universe. 
Now, this goes on. Uh, it's quite a lengthy article, actually. Um, but, again, I want to emphasize that this is from uh, India Daily, one of the two primary news sources in the country of India, one of their main um, mainstream news outlets. All right? Now, uh, I'm going to skip over a little bit, uh, but there are... Um, they're, they make a note of how many people... Well, actually, let me just read a little bit more of this right here, okay? The debate the country is facing internally is whether to abide by the laws of the world uh, or to be truthful to the citizens and to its citizens and the world. According to sources close to the government, the UFO contacts is known by quite a few politicians in the opposition and, of course, by those who are in power. Uh, the current debate is on whether to keep it secret like other countries are doing or in the traditional or total transparent society come out and tell the truth. India is an open and democratic and it is very difficult to keep a secret for long. The biggest concern of the government today is that unlike in other countries it will be very difficult to keep this secret for long. If the information comes out through unofficial channels first and then the authorities are presented are pressed against the wall to confess two bad things can happen. First, it could cause a panic in the country as well as around the world. Second, the way the Indian politics the way that Indian politics is run, the ruling party will be thrown out of power in no time if it is ever found that the government withheld such information from the public. The recent rush of world leaders to India has been remarkable, starting from Russian President uh, Vladimir Putin to major senators from America, all have visited or are planning to visit India. European Union, the European Union is in deep discussion with India on cooperation. All sanctions against India's nuclear programs and Indian space research organization are in the process of being lifted. India is cooperating with the Europeans and Americans in space exploration technology. India is also a part of the World Trade Organization now. India is receiving major outsourcing contracts in IT and call center service work from America and Europe. India's Forex, that's their uh, stock exchange, India's Forex reserve is at a level never imagined before because of international direct investment in India. Japan, Korea, and others are investing. Interestingly, China, interestingly, China the arc rival of India, changed its posture recently to make India's friendship and to, and, uh, and to uh, try to increase trade. In, uh, India is slowly getting to the point where it is being accepted as a permanent member of the Security Council. Um, of the United Nations. So uh, when all these factors are added together and analyzed, it seems that in India is being told by the world to either abide by these hidden protocols and exchange be recognized as a major emerging superpower. And again, the story goes on quite a bit further than that, but that's as much as I'll mention to you. Bottom line is this. Uh, take it with a grain of salt, if you like, but it's something to keep our eyes on. In uh, India, in the mainstream of that society, uh, which is a big, big society, a culture of uh, over a billion people, over uh, about a fifth of the entire population of the planet lives in India. Uh, so they are talking there outright and openly about extraterrestrial contact and something uh, they're not speculating. They're saying this is ongoing and that it's actually something that uh, is happening right now. Uh, and that has been going on uh, for a number of months. And they're talking about high-level contact, government uh, uh, communication and meetings and all this sort of stuff. So, again, take that as you will and uh, put it on the 
put it in the hopper there and uh, see what comes out, okay? Okay, next thing we want to talk about real fast, uh, the International Space Station. As you know, we talk about ISIS now and again, and they've been having a number of problems up there over the last six months or so. It seems to be one technical malfunction after another, and there have been lots of warnings over the last few months about uh, the, the space station actually having to be abandoned, perhaps, and uh, um, that's something that uh, we'll have to keep our eyes on as well. Here's a story in that vein. Uh, space station's main oxygen generator fails. The International Space Station's main oxygen generator has failed. This is on, uh, uh, this story was from January 6th. Uh, forcing astronauts to use an emergency backup air supply, according to the local news. NASA officials said Russian cosmonaut Salizan Sharapov and crewmate Leroy Chow are not in any immediate danger, and engineers are confident that some backup procedures and in-flight repairs can keep the two astronauts breathing. <laughs> well, that's, I'm sure they're glad to hear that. I'm sure that Mr. Sharapov and Chow are glad to hear that the friendly... Associates on the ground want to keep them breathing up there. So, anyway, uh, Sharapov and Chow reportedly have enough oxygen to last well beyond the scheduled March 2nd arrival of a Russian progress resupply ship. So, uh, they've got uh, at least a month and a half here before things get critical. Without the backup supply, the oxygen would last only another seven to ten days. Oh, okay. So, the backup is what they're going to be running on. Uh, the uh, primary. Uh, generator is down, and if they didn't have the backup, they'd only have about seven days, and that's from the sixth. Today's the ninth. That means they got about four days left if that backup's not working. So, uh, I would imagine those guys are getting—they're uh, pretty—they uh, have sort of nerves of steel, those sorts of guys. But when you only have three or four days of oxygen left and no backup, you got to be thinking, hmm. All right. Uh, the latest incident happened back in October when the unit turned itself off. Officials even talked about abandoning the mission to return to Earth uh, when the generator stopped. Officials have always been able to fix the problem in the past, but so far all attempts to restart the equipment have failed this time. Russian engineers believe that gas bubbles may have caused the recent shutdown. So uh, more problems up there in uh, on the International Space Station. And, um, and... What the hell am I doing here? I'm actually trying to queue up a song for uh, the next break here because I didn't have it ready, so I, uh, you guys caught me there, okay? Let's uh, do that. Let's play one more song, and then we'll be back on the air. got a couple more stories to talk about before we get to Scott Stevens, who will be with us uh, in about 35, 45 minutes, something like that, as soon as I get him on the air and we finish covering these other things. Uh, so stick around. This is Radio Orbit. KOPN, you're listening to Mike Hagen, and uh, this is the John Butler Trio, and this song is called Something's Gotta Give. Isn't that the truth? I get oblique. When I think about the cats running the world with hate, I say, Something's gotta give. Got the whole world fighting for the Texas Chief. Got a little for you, I got a little for me, but the, the kettle's leaking like a sieve. Now there's a puddle on the floor, there's a puddle in the sky. The kettle's leaking so much, the man's burning in my eyes, yeah. Can't we just go that damn far out? And on the subject of a throwing stuff away, I know some deaf men who can't hear a word we say, no matter. 
John Butler Trio. That was Something's Gotta Give. You listen to Radio Orbit on KOPN 89.5 FM. This is Mike Hagan. Okay, uh, a couple more stories here. Let's get right to it. Uh, here's something from uh, the, Russian, uh, the Russian newspaper Pravda. And this one caught my eye, too, and I'll tell you why in a minute. Psychic Security Department protects Russian presidents and others from external psychological influence. Yuri Malin, a former KGB officer, says that there was a special department in the structure of the Russian security services to protect top officials from malicious intentions of scientists and extrasensory individuals who could create devices that were capable of affecting human psychology from a distance. Yuri Malin worked as a consultant for Boris Yeltsin's Federal Security Service. Special services do not take much care of President Putin nowadays. There are no professionals in his team to help him struggle with the external psychological and psychophysical influence. There were such people in Boris's Yeltsin's team, though. There was a special department which was dealing with unconventional technologies to manipulate the human mind, Malin says. The department was formed when someone found an eavesdropping device in the house of a Russian government official. It was actually not a microphone, but a directional antenna. Specialists concluded that the antenna had been installed in the office to exert a psychological influence on the president. 
Extrasensory appliances were used during pre-election campaigns in the beginning of the 1990s in Russia. I have a document dated December 16, 1995, a price list for extrasensory pre-election services. The extrasensory security guarantee for candidates cost $3,000 a month at that time. A candidate had to pay two grand to bewitch the entire population of a town and make the people more inclined to vote for him. The cheapest extrasensory services for candidates were being sold for $150 an hour. There were about 20 institutes in Russia in the beginning of the 90s which developed a, vari a variety of extrasensory devices like the one that was found in Boris Yeltsin's office. When Vladimir Putin came to power, the, depart the department was abolished. I do not know if a new department was established afterwards. Uh, now this is my adding this here. Putin was uh, uh, a pretty high-ranking member of the KGB himself, and if he's aware of any of this stuff, I'm sure that he uh, uh, had uh, measures in place to uh, to mitigate any of this stuff. But in any case, uh, it is not ruled out that the new president considered the psychic security service nonsensical. A lot of experienced specialists have been left out of a job at the time when human mind manipulation technologies are developing so actively in the world today. Americans have reportedly created radiators of modulated signals which control people's behavior. One should say that the control can be conducted thousands of kilometers from afar. It is not ruled out that such technologies were used during the presidential election in the Ukraine. The agents of the Psychic Security Department were taking great care of Boris Yeltsin. They were meticulously watching every little detail. They could not let a button of Yeltsin's shirts disappear. It was believed that extrasensory individuals could put the evil eye, so to speak, on the president with the help of any small object that Yeltsin owned. Hmm. Well, the reason that I read that is because... Um, uh, we should do a show on this, actually, but uh, there is a, um, well, I don't know if I should call it a technique or a technology or, well, anyway, the bottom line is there's a there's this thing that's called remote viewing, and uh, remote viewing is something that uh, was followed by the U.S. government in the 1970s and 80s for a long time. There was a special division in uh, the uh, NSA, uh, which eventually got handed over to CIA and uh, uh, got spread out throughout a number of different intelligence agencies in our country. But the bottom line is that remote viewing is exactly what uh, uh, this story is talking about, except on a, um, uh, on a, a non-invasive uh, sort of means. Remote viewing basically means you go into a, uh, a psychic trance of sorts uh, through whatever means necessary to get you into that state, and then you can sort of leave your body and go uh, see things uh, that are not in your local vicinity. For example, uh, the remote viewers uh, that were used in the early 1990s, uh, and of course this is all documented as well, uh, were looking for um, weapons of mass destruction in Iraq, not this time around, but the first time back in 1990 and in 1991 when uh, Desert Storm was going on. And uh, that was uh, probably the most recent uh, uh, usage of remote viewing that's actually come out into the public uh, domain that's been talked about. But this has been going on for 20, 30 years, and uh, the techniques have been 
thoroughly developed. There's lots of different guys that are out there in the uh, in the in cyberspace now that are talking about remote viewing. But the bottom line is that the uh, the U.S. government believed that it was a valid technology and they were using it. Uh, and they and again they're on the record uh, as talking about trying to use what they called psychic spies uh, to gain information about. Uh, enemies of the United States and during the Cold War uh, they were doing everything they could to uh, advance that technology against the Russians now uh, again a lot of this is sort of historical uh, the reason that I want to bring it up today is because I have a few friends that actually uh, remote view and I trust their opinions and we've had some conversations recently about trying to remote view members of the US government and I know a few people who have tried to remote view President Bush and Dick Cheney and Rumsfeld and try to get in these guys spaces and get in these guys offices <laughs> and uh, um, believe it or not they tell me that whenever they try to do that they come up blank that it's as if they're going up against a wall and that they can't get any information and these are people that are uh, um, they're not uh, uh, not amateurs at this. These are people that 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 have studied this sort of stuff. And uh, um, for those of you out there uh, who are skeptics, just go do some research on remote viewing. Make your own decision. For those of you who know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. Some of these things are uh, possible. In fact, some of you out there can probably do it yourself. Uh, it's one of these things that's an innate capability of most human beings, I believe. But it's something that uh, uh, gets uh, buried very early on because we don't promote it, we don't um, nurture it, we don't try to develop it as children and as adults, and our culture doesn't even support these sorts of ideas, so obviously uh, they go by the wayside. But if they are supported, they are nurtured, they are uh, fed and, um, uh, and helped along, I think that most people are capable of some level, some degree of psychic phenomenon what we would call psychic phenomenon and I just think that it's actually a natural function of the human being I don't think there's anything supernatural about it uh, it just seems that way because so few people exhibit it uh, but again my opinion is that the reason so few people exhibit it is because it's cultural and conditional and uh, has to do with indoctrination and things like that other than the actual ability to do it so anyway uh, the fact that these guys are not able to get any information on some of these government officials means that maybe this story is legit. Maybe there is some sort of a defense mechanism that is set up around these types of individuals, and it would make sense to me uh, that uh, you would try to protect the minds and the thoughts of those particular individuals if they were subject uh, to, uh, to intervention. And again, there is a tremendous amount of information available these days, uh, legitimate, on-the-record, um, documented information about the history of mind control and uh, uh, brain implants and all kinds of different things that have been going on for, for many years. Uh, in and outside of the government and uh, above and below board. So this stuff is real. At least the technologies have been very interested, uh, uh, have been very interesting to the U.S. government and other governments around the world for a long, long time. So uh, I would say that uh, if you're interested in, go out there and just uh, put remote viewing in one of your search engines, and that'll get you, get you started. Uh, another thing you might do is go back to the archives at Radio Orbit and listen to an interview that I did with Dr. Colin Ross, 
uh, from the Ross Institute down in Dallas, which was back in September, I think it was. Uh, but uh, Colin Ross will open your eyes uh, to some of uh, some of this stuff as well. You can find that at the, uh, just go to radioorbit.com and then go to the archives and page down to, uh, I think it was September, don't quote me, September 19th, though, uh, and look for Dr. Colin Ross. Okay? All right, we've got about 15 minutes uh, till the top of the hour. We're going to play a couple more songs here. I'm going to get Scott Stevens on the air from... Uh, uh, from his home in Idaho, and Scott is a meteorologist and a television weatherman, and we talked to him about a week, oh, I take that back, we talked to him about a month ago, and uh, we talked about weather modification and weather manipulation, and with all the funky weather systems that we've seen in the country uh, over the last week, I thought that it'd be good to talk to Scott again, and I was able to get a hold of him this morning, so we'll have him on the air here in just a few minutes, okay? In the meantime, uh, check this out. This is new from Tom Langford. It's called Wooden Home, and I think we'll play another song after that uh, by Martina Topley, uh, and that one will be called One. So Wooden Home by Tom Langford. Check it out. Be back in a minute with Scott Stevens. You're listening to Radio Orbit on KOPN. That's not your own 
That's Martina Topley on KOPN Radio Orbit. That song is called One. Hope you enjoyed it. This is Mike Hagan. It is about uh, 2.55 in the a.m. on uh, Sunday, January 9th. And I'm going to do one more story here, sort of a lead into our guest tonight, Scott Stevens, meteorologist and television weatherman from uh, the state of Idaho, is on the line with me, and we'll, we'll have him... Uh, I will have him in just a minute here, but I wanted to mention one more story before we bring Scott on the air, and it won't take long. The uh, title of this story, and this comes from the Taipei Times, but it's made its rounds uh, through a number of uh, uh, different uh, mainstream news outlets in the last couple days here. But anyway, the title says, Fuhrer over Tidal Bomb Claims. This is from New Zealand. Classified files released this week show that a leading professor in World War II was developing a weapon almost almost as destructive as the atomic bomb. Top-secret wartime experiments were conducted off the New Zealand coast to perfect a tidal wave bomb believed to be potentially as effective as the atomic bomb, a report said yesterday, citing declassified files. Auckland University professor Thomas Leach set off a series of underwater explosions triggering many tidal waves at Wanagaparoa, just north of Auckland, in 1944 and 1945, the New Zealand Herald reported. His work was considered so significant that U.S. defense chiefs said that if the project had been completed before the end of World War II, it would have played a major role and one as effective of that of the atomic bo- as that of the atomic bomb. Details of the tsunami bomb, known as Project Seal, and uh, make a note of that, Project Seal, because I'm sure there's a lot more information out there on this, okay? Uh, this is just the tip of the iceberg, I imagine. So, anyway, known as Project Seal, are contained in 53-year-old documents released by the New Zealand Ministry of Foreign Affairs and Trade. Paper stamped top secret show that U.S. and British military were eager were eager for SEAL to be developed in the post-war years as well. They even considered sending Leach to Bikini Atoll to view the U.S. nuclear tests and see if they had any application to his work. He did not make the visit, although a member of the U.S. Board of Assessors of Atomic Tests, Dr. Carl Compton, was sent to New Zealand. Dr. Compton was so impressed with Professor Leach's deductions on the SEAL project and is prepared to recommend to the Joint Chiefs of Staff that all technical data from the tests relevant to the SEAL project should be, remain, should be made available to the New Zealand government and from the New Zealand government for further study by Professor Leach. This was said in a 1946 July letter from Washington uh, to uh, Wellington. Leach, who died in his native Australia in 1973, was the university's dean of engineering from 1940 until 1950. Blah, 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 blah. It goes on, okay? So, 50 years ago, and, and there's that time frame again that I always mention. I always, I always talk about how the, uh, the post-World War II era was such a watershed for so many of these different uh, technologies and so many of these different things that we're uh, experiencing the, the, the ripple effect of today. But, but here, we have, here we have what they're calling the tsunami bomb. And they don't give us details of that, but uh, use your imagination. They're using some sort of uh, uh, munitions to create a tidal wave. So does that mean by 
hitting a fault line or something? I don't know. But the bottom line is this. I know from my own personal experience and from my own personal research that all of the technologies that were developed in the 1940s and the 1950s that were developed for military application. And to name just a few, we have nuclear technology. We have biological weaponry. We have chemical weaponry. All of these and more were continued to be developed. In other words, after the atomic bombs were actually used, actually actually used in anger uh, twice, after that was done and the war was over, the world and our government leading the way uh, continued to develop nuclear technology to the point where now, uh, who knows where the nuclear technology really is. It's probably fifth or sixth generation and we have things like red mercury that people rumor about and all, all manner of, of, uh, of sophisticated you know magical technology that may be available now but who knows but the bottom line is this we, we, we may not know the level of the technology but we certainly know that they continued to develop that technology with biological warfare certainly the same case they continued to develop that technology and continue to this day chemical technology same thing it goes on so to think that this tsunami bomb this tidal wave generator uh, is something that would not have been followed up on would not have continued to be developed to think that that is true is really out of character in other words there, there the idea that they would say, oh, this is a morally and ethically uh, unacceptable project to maintain, well, that just doesn't make any sense in light of all the other projects that they've maintained. Uh, so I would uh, be very uh, comfortable in placing a bet with anybody uh, that this technology was developed further. Am I trying to say that this was uh, involved in the uh, events of a couple weeks ago in uh, the Indian Ocean? No, no, I'm not saying that at all. All I'm p doing is putting it out there and saying that this is another thing that is uh, available that we have to put in to the mix when we think about and talk about these things. Uh, because there are questions. There are always questions about these things. So, anyway, um, I just wanted to read that story and... Uh, uh, I don't know. Let me know what you think. Send me an email at orbitradio, O-R-B-I-T-R-A-D-I-O, at AOL.com, or uh, go to the website, www.radioorbit, R-A-D-I-O-R-B-I-T.com. All right, we'll be back in a minute with my guest, Scott Stevens, and uh, just stick around, and this will be an interesting uh, conversation, as it was last time when we had Scott on the air. We'll be back in just a moment here. This is KOPN Radio Orbit, 89.5 FM, Columbia, Missouri.
All right. There we go with the fancy intro. That is from uh, uh, Martin, my friend Martin Rogers from the United Kingdom, who's now living in New Jersey, and I'm not sure what exit. But uh, anyway, Martin, thanks for that music as always. Uh, this is Mike Hagan. You're listening to Radio Orbit, and my guest tonight is Scott Stevens. Scott is a... Uh, a guest who's been on the program before. We had Scott on the air about a month and a half ago, maybe a month ago, and he shared some airtime with Kent Stedman from cyberspaceorbit.com. Uh, Scott is a meteorologist and a, uh, a television weatherman out there in eastern, uh, eastern Idaho, and uh, he has lots of interesting information to share with us about weather and uh, the weather systems and uh, what's really going on up there in the skies above our heads, and it's been a pretty interesting week, so I'm looking forward to talk to Scott. Uh, and uh, here he is, Scott Stevens. How are you, man? Pretty good, Mike. Pretty good. Uh, enjoying the uh, early, early Sunday morning hours, as we all are. <laughs> well, as, as, as I always say I, uh, to all my guests who are, who are uh, uh, heartful enough to stay up and do this with me in the middle of the night, I appreciate you doing it live, and all my, all my, uh, my listeners appreciate it, too, so thanks. Right. You bet, everybody. It's, uh Heading home after the evening. So. Yep, no doubt. All right, so hey, um, uh, first let's give out the websites and stuff because uh, we probably want to uh, let some people look along at some of these interesting images that you always have. Um, so uh, let me uh, start by giving mine out. My website is www.radioorbit.com. And if you go to radioorbit.com, right there on the front page, you'll see an incredible uh, image of a cloud formation, and uh, if you click on that cloud formation, uh, it will take you right over to Scott's website, which is called www.weatherwars.info. That's weatherwars.info. And uh, so uh, if you're interested in uh, following along and seeing some of these images that we'll be talking about, uh, you can do it uh, at either one of those websites, you can get to where you want to go. Um, um, and Scott, do you have any any? Uh, did you have a special page or something set up? I, I, you mentioned something in email. I, I'm not sure if you did or not. Well, we had uh, what I had done is just put together some of the some of the pictures from that I'd taken last month through December, and uh, some of the satellite imagery also from the same period of time, from late November through December. Uh-huh. And uh, both of those pages I uh, uploaded today. And they're, and they're a good portion of the way down my front page, uh, and it's just a December 2004 update. Okay, no problem. So, yeah, in fact, I'm there right now, and I'm just paging down to it. So. Yep. yep. Um, there's a, the link is above uh, visible satellite imagery of northern Georgia, right over, over Atlanta, and uh, just, just an interesting triangle, kind of like uh, the Freemason Triangle with, uh, a half circle cut through the middle of it, huh. just just right on top of Atlanta. So I just wondered if the guys, the Weather uh, Channel, figured uh, that kind of thing <laughs> going on over their heads, guys. Right over there, you, know, you know, that's funny, Scott, because whenever I wa- I I used to be, I don't watch much television anymore. But when I did, I was big time into the Weather Channel. I thought it was so cool, and and uh, I I always used to get mad though because. Uh, those guys are down there in uh, in Atlanta, and they always concentrate on the weather in the southeast. <laughs> that and then the northeast. Exactly. You know, it's like nobody else matters except for Atlanta and the northeast. <laughs> That's right. You know, it, it is weather by consultant. That's right. And if you're not one of their little faithful soldiers toting a line, you know, heaven forbid, heaven forbid you have to work there. Oh, my but, God. But, you know, it, it's a great little distraction, you know, if you... As long as you're one of the sheeple, then then you're fine and it's fun to watch. But once you're aware of what's going on, you can't 
stand to watch the absurdity on television. All right. Well, I tell you what. Before we get into what's going on, and before we talk about some of these images, I want to get your opinion first of all. Uh, and 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 this is just an anecdotal opinion. I, I don't expect you to speak professionally here or anything. Um, but. Uh, the story that I just read beforehand, uh, I'm sure you're familiar with all the events that went down in, uh, in the Indian Ocean over the last couple of weeks, and there's been, uh, oh, just, it's, it's just such a tremendous event that I'm asking everybody, you know, what they thought about it, so. Well, I, I think if we were to have the portfolio of weapons that nations of this world have and look at the events that have also happened, it would be interesting to link the two, <laughs> the two books. And so many times we have lowered the flags of this nation and other nations around the world because of these events, and we've claimed that they're you know, mistakes or disasters. And I would postulate, and probably with, uh, as time goes on, with a pretty good record, that, that the weapons would be responsible. You know, there just, uh, just isn't a whole lot of... A whole lot of uh, question in my mind. You know, these people think a different way than we do, mm. and that just has to be understood. That they don't play the game and they don't value the same things that we do. They may campaign on it, but that's not how it's run. <laughs> you know, and it's just uh, it, it's an unfortunate you know state of affairs. It's just a symptom of the society that that we live in. Um, that we can only hope to change person by person. And uh, yeah, I, I have every expectation that it was an artificial event hmm. every expectation who did it doesn't matter it happened right it, it you know it's happened and we have to deal with the aftermath right we uh, have to learn to clean up and we have to learn to not live on these beaches oh, you know it's just uh it's not smart and we're setting ourselves up all the way from florida up the east coast the gulf coast all of this property is so expensive and we've seen damage from the hurricanes last fall We've all had mudslides and, and erosion. It's just, it's not smart. You'd want to live where the natives lived before Columbus landed, mm. you know, which is going to be inland and, and up somewhat. Yeah, the, those, uh, those, uh, those primitive peoples weren't, uh, weren't as dumb as, uh, as everybody thinks. So. They learned from the people who lived there before them. That's right. And those were lessons that uh, if, if you don't have to relearn, why? Why? Use that knowledge that's passed and handed down. And it, um, we, we tend not to remember the previous generation's mistakes. Nor, uh, nor think about the future generations to come. So. Yeah, well, and that's how decisions should be made. You know, the Indians did it, you know, seven generations. Seven generations, exactly. Yeah, right. and there's no reason we can't think that way and save ourselves a whole lot of grief in the meanwhile. Yep, I couldn't agree with you more. Couldn't agree with you more. So, and that's just where, it's, uh, you know, our, our, our problems are a, func a function of our leadership or us not standing up and taking back right i mean the leadership's a function of us and uh, and uh and for people uh we got we we all have to take at least a little bit of the responsibility because uh we're the ones that are uh accepting it so and we're not and 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 i and and for for people like you i appreciate uh, uh your candor and i appreciate uh you being one of the few people who's willing to go on the record and talk about these things with me. Uh, and, and so uh, there are certainly plenty of good, strong-hearted folks out there that are... that are. And again, Scott, you know, I, I realize uh, you're not coming here preaching all the answers. All your, and like you said before, who did it? Who knows? But the fact is these things are real, and they're going down, and it really doesn't matter who's doing it. The fact is that once these technologies get in play and we start 
well, playing ping pong back and forth, all of a sudden we have a very, very serious situations that start to develop. So, and, and it becomes, uh, a, I mean, one of the shows that CNN did over the week was, you know, where is God in all this? <laughs> it's not. It doesn't have anything to do with him. Right. And um, it's just more distraction. Or her. Or her. <laughs> you know, it's. Yeah. Uh, either way, we're, they're missing the big picture and right, focusing right. on the misery of the moment, right. which is not how you get through it. It's not how you prevent it from happening in the future, and that's not how you grow spiritually through it. Right. Um, All right. Well, I think uh, enough said on the tsunami. I, think, <laughs> I, 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 agree, I agree, and uh, and and I think that, like you say, it's 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 more symptomatic of uh, of these other things, and so um, but, um, the tsunami though plays into the same weather, right? And that's where you're trying to segue to, right? And that's where we'll go. So with with with, with that in mind. Uh, for the people who aren't familiar with this topic that we're going to be talking about now, about weather modification and weather manipulation, why don't you do uh, a little bit of background just real fast, um, just to tell people what we think is happening uh, and, and uh, that there's some sort of technology involved, be it scalar or otherwise. Um, again, something uh, that, why don't you just go in and do a little description, a little framework of what, what we'll be talking about, Scott. Let's just start with the beginning, that there's a, a type of energy that can be drawn from the vacuum. Zero-point energy, it exists, it's real. Um, that's beyond debate at this point. Um, this technology, scalar energy or scalar interferometers, um, and there are many of them, and some are very, very large in size and capability and ability to channel and draw energy from the vacuum to, do, to specific points in space and time. And what has happened over the previous 60, 70 years since this te Tesla, you know, rediscovered this back at the turn of the last century, you know, it's been around that long, mm -hmm. um, is that um, these scalar interferometers have been developed first by the old Soviet Union um, and kept within the KGB's portfolio of weapons and not necessarily shared uh, in their entirety with the regular army. Okay. So then many of these, these options and these weapons and these capabilities remain clandestine. Um, what they thought and what they ended up being able to do, in addition to generating earthquakes and waking up volcanoes and splitting planets open, is, is um, the ability to uh, alter weather. You simply turn the thing down really low and uh, focus these multiple weapons and to generate essentially what is... Uh, a layer of cubes rotating across the entire planet. This energy is not attenuated by solid mass. And where you have these interference zones, these scalar weapons, um, basically with waves amplifying or canceling each other out, and you can put them in two different modes. Modes to heat, exothermic, and, or endothermic, and then exothermic to remove heat from a certain zone. Okay. So you focus uh. these weapons and basically create a matrix of where you want the energy to show up on the Earth. Positively charge it, um, and then moisture or water molecules will be attracted to this zone that is positively charged. And these zones can be of any prescribed depth or width. We've seen square shapes in the Pacific that are thousands of kilometers in size and diameter, and others that are you know just a few meters in size. So it, it's Completely programmable. Well, hey Scott, let me jump in real fast because uh, um, I was before I brought you on the air. I was chatting with Kent 
online, and he may actually give us a call here in a little while. I'm not sure. Uh, he may call us because he sent me an, uh, an instant message that said that there is uh, a giant square formation uh, over... Uh, and to be honest, I can't remember exactly what he had said, but he, but he said that right now he was looking at some particular satellite imagery, and he said that he saw either a cube or a square formation that was over a particular part of the country right now. He's got them out on his uh, out on his page farther down, and in fact, close to where my information is there as well. Okay, well, hey, uh, let, let's uh, let, let's give let's give that out real fast too. Um, uh, everybody out there, if you're interested, first of all, if you want the most extensive tsunami coverage on the planet, basically right now, go to Kent's site. He has uh, every possible angle uh, that's being looked at uh, with regard to the tsunami, and not all of it conspiracy. A lot. I mean, he, he's gone. He's got everything from the uh, direct reports from the mainstream, uh, and 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 uh, certainly, uh, certainly there is this idea that it was a natural event too. There's a chance of that. I, I certainly don't discount that, and and that would and that would go in line with a lot of the Native American prophecy and stuff that's coming to bear right now. So, so anyway, lots of stuff going on there. So go to www.cyberspaceorbit.com. And uh, from there, you can see a lot of information about the tsunami, but also uh, you can see uh, some of this imagery that Scott and I are talking about. And there are links both to my website and to Scott's website from Kent's website. So we got our. What, <laughs> how great is the web, by the way? Oh, I, mean, I mean, isn't it amazing what we're able to do now, Scott? It, it's just a marvel. It's just to not have the bloody news filtered before you get it. Oh. It's just, um, it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. And it I sure just, is. Uh, just hope it sticks around because I mean that's how we're growing. Right. I mean, a, a, as people and as we're just able to read what we need to read and not have to wait till the news comes on at six o'clock. Right, and it's all about information. It is. It's all yeah. about information. I I, I have uh, I had an interesting thought the other day that 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 the real war going on is a war between power and information, and and power, luckily for us, has to ally itself with ignorance. Because it has to, it has no other choice. Because the rest of us are going to ally ourselves with information, and uh, and that's uh, that's what's going on with the web, and it's and, and 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 it's an amazing, amazing thing to watch. And that's another capability of this of this scalar technology, since we're dealing with uh, untold amounts of energy. Uh, the power grid within this nation is at, is at great risk from hmm. out here. We had a squirrel. If this is the true story of right, what happened, another, another squirrel attack. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah, a squirrel and a branch and a high tension power line outside of uh, the Wind River Reservation in, in central Wyoming, and it just—I don't know how that event can bring down the entire western power grid. Yet they claim that happened. Right. That's what they said. And, and when 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 was that? I forget. That oh, was '89 or something like that. Two, two July '96. Okay. Okay. That was, that was one event. And. Yeah, I remember it because we moved into our new station that that particular weekend, and we sat uh, and missed two newscasts while this squirrel was uh, frying. <laughs> I mean, it was just come on now. Right. I mean, then and at that level of awareness and information, okay, you know, a squirrel happened. Really silly, but okay, it happened. Nowadays, just you know what you're fed through the BCs, the NBC, ABC, CBS, the Foxes. Right. It's just really hard to stomach. Hmm. It's just it, it's tough, and and I understand now why news people have a fairly low regard when it comes to the public. When they're what thirty or forty percent of the people trust them as their information source. Right, right. And well, it, it, I I see that now. I see that now. 
But um, yeah, we've got some cool clouds here. Cool All right, clouds. But yeah, let's okay. So let's do that. Let's uh, let okay. What about uh, recent stuff? Are we are we're gonna we gonna be looking at some images here that have to do with some of these recent systems in the last week or so that have been so 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 funky? Uh, I've been uh, and I don't care about the imagery. I'd like to hear just what you. Th I mean, yeah. is that is the, the all these three systems that smashed into one another in the last few days was was this more of the same? I'm guessing. Oh, it's completely more of the same. You know, this the jet stream is in such a contorted state of affairs now. Uh, the heights, what we call the when you warm uh, a gas, it expands to a certain level okay. depending on how warm you you expand it. And the the atmosphere, the average height. When you pass what we call the 500 millibar level, when you pass halfway through the atmosphere, it runs at about 18,000 feet. Um, and in the sciences, we use metrics, you know, met the metric measuring system. The okay. only thing that's left in weather that's uh, English is the surface observation and what we deliver to the public. Okay. Everything else is metric. Okay. Um, so we're looking at, at, at levels. I mean, the jet stream is at a summertime position, a summertime strength, and summertime warmth across southern Alaska presently. Hmm. It's um and because that is so this summertime jet stream has been displaced so far north, what has happened is then we've got the flow coming across the Yucatan, out over the northeast Pacific, pick up a little moisture and then it's just shot straight and very energetically across the entire US. Right. Contrast that summer high across Alaska, we've got another Bermuda high keeping Florida and the Gulf Coast relatively mild and uh with nearly a summertime jet stream anchored across the Bahamas. Hmm. So in between summer in Alaska, summer in the Bahamas, we have got two winter jet streams, one headed from the northeast and then one headed from the southwest wow. as it makes a big U through the western states. And this pattern is going to stick around for a while. As we get to the end of the week, the high in Alaska will weaken somewhat but likely move inland but this trough is going to get deeper and deeper back east. Right. And as as we see, how do you say it, the Arctic air that should be in Alaska will end up being across the northern Plains states, probably as far south as the Tennessee uh, Valley by the end of this coming week. And not the potential is for 50 below zero when you get to the upper Great Lakes states and, and the Dakotas before the end of this week. Wow. That's cold. Yeah, That's no doubt. That's awfully cold. Well, um, I'm, I'm here in, in mid-Missouri, and we... we uh, we were fortunate enough that it just went north of us, mm -hmm. and we didn't get hit too bad. Um, but we got a little bit of ice and and uh, a little bit of snow and stuff. But damn, it got cold so fast. It was amazing. It got really cold real fast. And now they're talking it's supposed to be 50 or 60 again in the next day or two. So, yeah, and that's one of the the abilities of of this um, technology is to just oscillate the weather back and forth between the extremes, and. When you get into the growing seasons, spring or fall, that's devastating to plants. It's really, really rough on 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 on, 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 on production. Yeah, on agriculture, corn or soybeans, and, and just talk to the guys down in Florida. You know, they get through the hurricanes, get the tomato plants and the strawberries, all that going again, and then they dealt with frost. The, you know, two weeks prior to Christmas. Amazing. So, um, like we said on on tent site, there just isn't any natural weather anymore. Once you can capture and steer the jet streams, there's no reason to let it go. You know, it, it's the helium balloon that, you know, once you let it go, it's gone for a while. You right. just, you just they, they're not going to let go of it. Right, and, yeah, and like you say, I mean, once you got control of it, why, 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 why not let go? Why? Now, the, now, the question is, is there a struggle going on, though, for control of it? 
in other words, it, it seems to me that, that, like you say, that we, we have to assume that there are a number, of, uh, a number of organizations, be they governments or otherwise, that have, uh, that have this technology. Is, there, uh, is it a chess game, you know? The simple answer is yes. Right. Yes. If uh, upwards of 20 nations or entities or corporations or however you want to label them um, have got their hands on this technology, I can guarantee you that 20 of them are using it. Right, right, right. Um, and, and so it's it's tough to say. Man, uh, man, Who is man, doing man. what to whom? Oh, man. You know, Scott, uh, I know, I'm, I'm sure you're familiar with the so-called butterfly effect. You know? you know, that movie was just on. Oh, my God. Well, I haven't seen the movie, but I've been thinking a lot about the concept again lately. And, you know, for the people out there that don't understand what this is, the butterfly effect... Um, in, in a nutshell, basically means, and this is not allegory, it's not, uh, not metaphor, like I said before, this is, this is the real heart of the matter, this is the real story, is that the flutter of a moth's wing or a butterfly's wing uh, can eventually create the, the hurricane or the tornado in another part of the world. And, the, and in, in a way, it is allegory. In a way, it is metaphor. But it's a true metaphor in that very small events and very small occurrences can have tremendous, lo, tremendously large and extreme consequences and oftentimes that are unexpectable and unpredictable. And when I, when I hear you talking, Scott, about all of this stuff that these guys are messing with and doing, all I can think about is these unintended consequences. Well, uh, with, with this many people playing with, with this technology, uh -huh. guys, what, what's happened is that there are electromagnetic fences, you know, just strong all over the world. And so the butterfly doesn't have the chance for its influence to get out of its interference uh -huh. zone. Okay. It's, uh, it, it's blocked. It's like you're throwing pe pebbles into a pond but you have sticks or logs in between, and those waves just can't get out. Hey, uh, check it out. I think we got a phone call coming through here, and I'm guessing this is Kent. I'm going to bring him on the air. Okay. Alrighty. Hold on a second. Let me guess. Is this Kent Stedman? Yeah, it's me. All right. Hey, Kent, uh, I got Scott Stevens on the air here with me. And uh, for those uh, out there in the audience, uh, I think you're familiar with Kent, most of you. But if not, this is Kent Stedman. He runs a website called cyberspaceorbit.com that we just mentioned a few minutes ago and uh, he and I and Scott are all familiar with one another so uh, jump in Kent how you doing well good Scott I've been watching all evening and in fact all week long this huge high pressure area over the northwest mm -hmm. and right now and it for several the 12 hour loop shows a square and I don't mean sort of a square <laughs> <laughs> but a perfect square and off the coast of uh, Washington is a, a sort of a, looks like a buzzsaw hanging there, as uh, popcorn clouds spinning. That, yeah, it's um, it's impressive, isn't it? Once you once you start to see it, know that it's there. You can't help but see these squares everywhere. Well, I mean, this is so obvious. The clouds, uh, weather systems moving in from from out to the west are hitting it like hitting a wall. Mm -hmm. And then uh, they're routing uh, both north and south, and that's what, in my opinion, that's what's uh, causing Los Angeles all its problem. All that weather is uh, 
is like a big rock in a stream is going around this force field, whatever. Hey, exactly. Hey, Kent, hey, Kent where, is, where is that image? Is that on your front page? I put it right on the top of my page. It says Ghost, G-O-E-S, uh, animation, and that'll, that'll link you over to it so you can watch this. I'm looking at another loop. Uh, yeah, off the off the west coast. It's the north northwest uh, infrared loop. Okay, is what you want. Hey, I'm yeah. gonna let you. I'm gonna let you guys chat for a minute. And I'm gonna turn my mic off for a second so I can get some music ready. But go ahead for a few minutes, okay, you guys? Yeah, these uh, these squares will basically morph, and what what's happening is they're pushing a, a straight line of clouds, and that that straight line maybe tens of miles or or hundreds of miles. Uh, and it's basically a, a, a one-direction push, and they're just adding angular momentum or taking heat out or adding heat to the storm, depending on whether they want it to intensify or not. And when these squares start showing up, you'll see the center of the storm. Uh, either they want to keep it put, and I've seen them park uh, the center of a, an upper-level low, park right off the Oregon coast. It was about two weeks ago, and it, it, it was zipping along, and then it just stopped. I mean, for the better part of 15 hours, and then it started to move again. And I had to point this out to the viewers at home. I'm like, guys, look at this. And there was a, a, a strikingly similar low. Um, the one I'm talking about was just off the Oregon coast, but then another one zipping up through Wyoming. And then it parked on top of uh, Fort Peck Reservoir in northeastern Montana at the same time the one off the Oregon coast did. It was just a phenomenal display of symmetry that, uh, that these scalar yahoos are playing. Well, this, uh, whatever it looks, I mean, if I were to uh, watch a science fiction movie and, and they were to show this, I'd say it's a big force field. It extends out in the Pacific, the square, the left end of the square, the vertical is about halfway between the, the coast and Hawaii, and it goes all the way up to southeast Alaska and then down a very straight line, horizontal line, plowing right around Santa Barbara. And uh, then in the uh, right uh, leg of the square is uh, sort of follows the uh, coastline on up. And then right off of Washington is this buzzsaw-looking popcorn cloud uh, with inside the square. But it's expanding out and circulating out, but it won't, it's not going out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this looks like a, this looks like a, a force. You. It does. It does. And then that that hole that you're you're looking at, the center of one, the buzzsaw one, has had square geometry in it too. Yeah. Even now, the center of it is uh, uh, kind of it looks uh, kind of a little oblong. But I mean, it, it was square earlier in the almost hawk shape. There's a kind of a wing thing and a tail, a triangular uh, overall tri geometrically. Hey, I'm, ju I'm, I'm jumping. I'm back here, you guys, and I'm, I'm looking at it too now, and that is astounding, Kent. Well, look northwest of Hawaii as that next upper level low begins to, uh, to curl just towards the north and northeast. You see how that's taking on the square shape too? It just slams into the the, the western wall of the square, and then it and then it disperses north and south. Right. It literally stops like it hits a wall. <laughs> yeah. It's the same, it's the same phenomenon that they use to steer those hurricanes down into Florida. It's the same. It just, it just deform the circle a little bit, and it'll wobble the direction you'd like it. It's well, this has been there ever since L.A. is having its problem. Uh, last week, it was almost a perfect uh, pentagram. 
and now it's mutated into a square. We saw that in the center of some of the hurricanes, too. Mm-hmm. And that, that low is just one of the anchor points of this, of this flow pattern, and it'll get kicked in Monday night. <laughs> you got them all figured out now, don't you, Scott? Oh, man, I wish I did. Uh, I wouldn't be working if I had. Right, right, right. Well, anyway. Anyway, I wanted to report this, this, this weird square. It's not a sort of a square. It's square. All right. Well, it certainly uh, verifies some of the stuff that Scott and I are talking about and the same stuff that, you know, we touched on last time when all three of us were on the air, Kent, and this... Uh, it's at, as as Scott says, once you get an eye for this and you start to look a little bit closer, and, and I've been looking closer since we spoke last, Scott, and, uh, yeah, it's amazing. You can see the stuff everywhere. And I look over my head, you know, right here in Columbia, Missouri, and I look up during the week, and uh, sometimes I see things and think, I wish I could quick shoot that over to Scott, and he'd, and he'd, and he'd start laughing probably say, yep, there it is, you know? Well, and what I do is go, you know, just thank goodness, another pair of open eyes. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, uh, I've just, uh, from that Unisys uh, loop page that uh, Kenneth posted, gone to the uh, Atlantic, the goes East image, and uh, similar shapes showing up across the Eastern Caribbean, um, where it's uh, squared off rather far Eastern Caribbean, where it's squared off rather nicely. So it's, uh, yeah. it's a global phenomenon. It is. It, it, it's truly global. And um, kind of cool. Um, all right. Well, hey, look. Uh, I wanted to report in and tell you. <laughs> hey, all right. Well, we, we appreciate you. I'm watching it. And, uh, I've reported it in some of the forums, so a lot of people are watching it right now. All right, cool. We appreciate you calling in, Kent, and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk to you again soon, all right? Okay, carry on, guys. All right, thanks. Bye. All right, hey, uh, Scott, I think that's a good time to take a break here. And uh, we'll be back in a few minutes, okay? Here's some tunage. All right. Uh, this is uh, Mike Hagan. You're listening to Radio Orbit. My guest is meteorologist Scott Stevens. And uh, he'll be with us for a little while longer here. And uh, in the meantime, uh, what should we play here, Scott? I think this one is, uh, let's call some, uh, this is Jeffrey Focalt. And uh, this is called Four and Twenty Blues. Back in a minute with Scott Stevens, Radio Orbit, KOPN. Blackbirds are sitting on the fence. Four and twenty years, and I've been trying to make some sense, but it don't look too good, Mom. Don't look too good for me. You know, I was waiting in the wall, but I only got a wash out to see. Four and twenty blackbirds are flying through the sky. Four and twenty years, and still I'm barely.
KOPN Radio Orbit. This is Mike Hagan. I want to take care of some business real fast here. Uh, The We Couldn't Do It Without You membership drive is scheduled for January 24th through the 2nd of February. We need volunteers to help us out on the phone bank. KOPN can use a limited number of individuals to ask for support during our national shows like Diane Ream, Fresh Air, BBC shows, NPR. Uh, If you're passionate about these programs, if you want to support KOPN, uh, and you can devote more than three hours uh, during this drive, KOPN, uh, KOPN can use your help. Uh, so we'd really appreciate it. Give us a call or swing down here by the station, uh, 915 East Broadway, downtown Columbia, Missouri. And uh, the phone number down here, 874-1139, and ask for Julie, and uh, she can tell you how you can help, okay? We'll be back with Scott Stevens in just a moment, but I think we'll play one more song first. This is uh, The Eels with... My beloved monster. My beloved monster and me. We go everywhere together. Wearing a raincoat that has four sleeves. Gets us through all kinds of weather. The Eels on KOPN Radio Orbit. This is Mike Hagan. It is about 3.40 a.m. Central Time. And I got my friend Scott Stevens, meteorologist from the wonderful state of Idaho, on the phone with me. And uh, we're talking about 
crazy weather and some crazy people behind it. What's going on, Scott? How are you? Boy, I'm good tonight. I'm good tonight, Dad. Boy, there's some crazy weather. Crazy weather and crazy clouds up there. All right, yeah, I think uh, now, what, let's see, we... Uh, that was kind of cool. We got a chance to talk to Kent for some sort of real-time stuff. What's going on right now? But let's uh, let's take a step back and um, do a little education, maybe, and get on the website here and look at some of these images that uh, that you've got lined up for us. I was going to say, let's. Um, you want to go to the front page? It's weatherwars.info, and then uh, drop on down, probably uh, seven eighths of the page uh, down, and uh, December 2004 update. And uh, right below, it's a picture of a visible. Uh, visible picture uh, over northern Georgia showing some some funky shapes in the clouds. But then click on that link, and uh, the first picture up is the one that uh, you've got on your page, uh, Radio Orbit. And uh, this cloud, I don't know what to make of it. It looks like a spine with uh, an insect. <laughs> the better part of, uh, I don't know, 50 legs coming off of it and in off in in odd directions. Yeah, it looks like a scorpion sort of to me when yeah. I fir- when I first saw it. But yeah, it definitely has a sort of spine uh, effect to it. And I've never seen anything like it. When you sent me that email, uh, by the way, you guys, when Scott Scott sent me an email with this uh, this image on it uh, a day or two ago, and said in his email, "This is about the wildest one I've ever seen." And uh, it, it, it it is to me too. I hadn't seen anything like this and. Uh, there have been some pretty interesting ones, but this one is a trip. It looks like a scorpion. And, and see, that's when I begin to wonder, okay, this, this is new to me. I have not seen this huh. shape before. So someone, uh, another one of those 20 that own this technology is playing. Because I, I think certain people have certain shapes or certain resonances, certain ways of of displaying their work and working on the atmosphere and the sky. And the really? So you think there's sort of a signature behind it? Exactly. Huh, that, 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 exactly. That's an interesting concept. I hadn't, that's the first time I've considered something like that. And, and, and when, you, when I see something new, I'm like, okay, that's it. you just file it away and see if it repeats. Hmm. Um, and the next picture below it... Let me ask you a, a question real fast about that previous one, though. When... When when you mention that there that, that that you see a new design or a new design uh, is a good word uh, yeah or yeah or a new um, uh, shape or something like that would does that does the shape in other words they're doing the same thing but they're creating different designs like you say but would that affect the result in other words could could this it scor- has to okay it has to all right yeah I, I mean you, you look at you look at this cloud and I've got it running. With the center band or bar or whatever you want to call it, the body of the cloud, they're right. running east-west. Right, right, and Then right. with these tendrils coming off the front half of the cloud, the lower front half, um, the tendrils are, are, are fairly lengthy. Right, um, and, and large and, and pretty wide. Yeah, and solid. When you get to the back lower oh, half of the man. cloud... I mean, they're they're a fraction, a quarter of the size, but many, many more of them. Right. I mean, there's there, there's 50 of them maybe on the backside, yeah. and then and then if you look above mm-hmm. uh, on the backside, then you get three or four large ones again, and it's just it is obviously not natural. There's no one that could look at this cloud. Well, I hope people are looking at this stuff uh, and uh, and listening as, as as you explain this because uh, it it. 
this is one of those things that's visual, and um, I know a lot of people are probably in bed listening to the radio right now, might not have your computers on, but if, if, uh, if you're listening and you don't have the computer on, make sure you go back to the web uh, tomorrow or whenever, or go to, and go to my website, and I'll keep the link up for Scott's, and, uh, and, and go to his website, whatever, go to Kent's website, and check these things out. It's absolutely incredible, and it's actually like artwork, too, uh, on, on one hand. It, 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 I agree. It, it is artwork, and because they can do it, they can make these shapes, and then shape-dependent is what will happen in the, you know, with the weather below. And there be maybe half of these uh, entities that have this technology that that is all they're capable of doing right now, because that's the the, the extent of their understanding uh, of it and the technological prowess behind it hmm. is to just make shapes in the clouds and essentially put a signature up there saying. I see you. We can do this. Oh, we can do this. I mean, uh, many weekends, I'll look look at the visible imagery, and certain cities are picked out um, for for clear skies. Portland, Oregon, um, St. Louis, a uh, nice one I've got on, on the lower end of this page, which is Minneapolis, St. Paul. Mm-hmm. And you go down to this picture, and there are squares, uh, and stair-step squares over the city. And it frustrates the weatherman. It's supposed to be cloudy drizzle today, and there's the sun for two hours in the middle of the afternoon. And these people that are running this are just laughing at us. Hmm. Yeah, 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 you think you know what's going on. And you don't. You can't forecast this stuff anymore. When you look at that shape of the cloud, you know, I I want another job. Right, that's funny because uh, that's how... that, that and I'll, I'll, I'll tell the, the quick story, and you can kind of jump in, Scott, and, and finish it up. But I think that that was kind of the reason that Scott got into this whole thing, interested, because he is a weatherman by trade, and he was getting frustrated because his forecasts were getting more and more, uh, less and less accurate and more and more difficult to uh, to predict. Isn't that right? I mean, we're more accurate in the early 90s, late 80s than today. Huh. And there's been, you know, a nice leap in technology. Right, right. Modeling and covering the nation with radar whether that's a function of um, too much information or the advancement of this technology and its ability to literally control cloud by cloud by cloud. Um, the weather, I've come to come to think that it's the latter. Not come to think, i come to know it. Mm. It's just, there's no question. There's just simply no question. Well, this, well you know, now, this cloud, that first cloud, what type of a cloud is that? What should we be <laughs> looking at there? We're... Uh, We're at about 15 to 18,000 feet, so it should be an alpha cumulus, which there are, are several examples of, you know, deeper on in the page. And it looks um, like around, like obviously surrounding it looks like obviously different. I mean, uh, and it's not like it's not like I mean, this thing is just like picked out and just popped in a hole right in the middle of all this other stuff that looks normal. The picture below it, Mike, the center of that picture is where this shape forms. Huh, okay, so that's a that, that's a backed-off view of it. Yeah, I've zoomed out. I was right. at about 8 power. Holy cow. And, and do you see the squares there? Oh, yeah, that's yeah. crazy. Right angles. Yeah. I mean, literally, it looks like a step, like a Z, like a step. Straight, yeah, in the cloud. Right. And and towards the uh, the right side of the cloud, um, the right side, right half of the picture, there's a, a, a print where there, there's a, a portion of the hole punched in it. You can see through to the sky, blue sky behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, drop a little to the lower and to the right, and there's the, the symmetry point, the plus and the minus. Hmm. Um, every, every, everything has a pair. I mean, the energy is, is just moved around in the, into the atmosphere. It isn't whole 
sail drawn in or extracted from the atmosphere. That happens in extreme cases. But it's just shifted around. Just moved around. Yeah. And uh, done at the speed of time. It just, it just happens. And then the atmosphere responds slowly to the heat added to it or the, the heat taken away from it. And it's like um, the, the picture of the scorpion above, which is a good description. Um, it's like it was, the atmosphere was essentially just chilled right then and there. And then these tendrils you know, ran out as the energy, I don't know, scattered. Huh. It, it's just too bizarre to explain. Just too bizarre. Um, <laughs> yeah. When, yeah. You were, when you were in uh, meteorological school, they didn't show you any images like this ever? We, we studied. <laughs> Did you ever see any? Clouds. Like what? What would what would the professor have said if you'd have put this on the board and said what? How does this form or what does this have? I'd have to get back to you on that. <laughs> I wonder, you know. Yeah. Oh, I, and and I can't wait to get this 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 shared um, because it will get out. This is going to be a signature picture. It's just that unique. Right, right, right. It really is something else. So. Um, yeah. So and and Mike, this was one picture I had <laughs> many taken that day, and this right. is just the one that I. I took and then, and then posted. Right. You know, when I when I shoot pictures over a course of a day, it's usually a hundred or two hundred mm -hmm. because again, every cloud shows them. It's just, can you see it? Right. Um, they're there. Um, let's zip on down. Okay. Um, the third picture, and this is a topic that we've we've discussed at length. Probably not enough for those rabid of the subject, and that's the contrail chemtrail. Um, right. Um, now, this is the third photo on that page, folks, and uh, uh, I'll describe it real fast for the people that aren't, aren't looking, um, but it's... Uh, you can. I want to hear this. This is pretty interesting. <laughs> it, it, uh, you're, you're looking just above the horizon. The sun is sort of peeking through some pine trees, and then above that, uh, in a vertical line on the left-hand side of the shot, you have a contrail uh, that has now that is dissipating... Uh, and it looks like it has these tendrils coming off of it. And, and if you're, we've talked about chemtrails uh, in the past a little bit. And I think Scott, uh, this might this might be a time for you to, to yeah. give give a little brush up on that and what we think that is. But uh, uh, then off to the to the right hand side, uh, perpendicular to the chemtrail or contrail, there's just sort of this. I don't know. It looks like a honeycomb, actually, to me. Sort of a honeycomb uh, formation in these loosely formed clouds, but they have all kinds of little squares and right angles. And, and, and uh, I mean, it looks like a honeycomb to me. And we can cut the picture into, into four parts. Um, we're going to run it um, east and west, um, upper half and lower half. The okay. lower half, uh, there are, are, are again, more squares. Right. Dealing with, um, I mean, the obvious squares, you guys. Yeah, uh, and and it's not one cloud; it's a formation of cirrus clouds trying, basically forming, but halfway up the picture, these blocks end, and they're dissected by areas of clear skies. And mm -hmm. the right on the left side of the picture, the chemtrail as it grows rapidly in this environment is filling in one of those one of those squares. So no doubt these pilots have altitudes or targets that they need to hit to deliver. Um, to deliver this chemical mixture that um, basically the, the, the scalar weaponry just grabs a hold of and clouds bloom. So how does the scalar uh, technology work in concert with the chemtrail? I, I think what it does is seed the atmosphere um, when there's an absence of 
naturally occurring moisture mm-hmm. that this mixture fills in that gap, and you're able to generate clouds with with the spray plus the energy, and you and you generate a, a cloud cover. And if you only get a one or two or three or four percent reduction in sunlight, um, you've you've had an effect, and that was the whole purpose for flying flying the sortie. Um, and 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 for what it's worth, I'll add that there are, there are lots of ideas about chemtrails that they're also used uh, for uh, uh, communicate. I, I think they're they're some people talk about them possibly being used for communications or for or for over the okay. horizon radar and things like that. And because there's metals in them and things like that, I think. So anyway, I, I and, and communicable diseases. Yes, if yes. You want to get down that, right. that road? Right. There's some biological yeah. uh, components. So anyway, we we're not quite sure what's going on again with a lot of this stuff. Uh, and I and I like to make that clear. We're not. We we don't have all the answers. All we're doing is pointing out there are some very strange things happening, and we're trying to speculate as best we can because. Uh, we don't have uh, the uh, the level of information that we need to make a statement. I think on a chemtrail as to what it really is, but we know that it's it's there and it's and it's not normal. So and it's not being discussed. And it's not being discussed. And that's so. why we have to discuss. It. Right. All right. Okay. Thanks a lot, Scott. So let's go on. Um, next picture down. Uh, later on that same day, looking over the western horizon, as again this spraying was just fairly heavy through the day. And uh, one of the wow, I, I've had some viewers or, or viewers, listeners. They're they're all blending anymore. <laughs> um, readers of the site, uh, you know, submit some of the pictures that they have taken to other other weather people and National Weather Service. And they say, uh, look at the contrails. And what they do is point out in the background that there's already high cloud cover, mm-hmm. and saying, well, there you go. There's the environment. It's primed for contrail formation. So I don't need to explain the ones in the foreground. Um, and so, boy, when, when you share the information with these people, um, a date and a time is an absolute must. So they can go back and look at the atmosphere profile to see whether those clouds should have been there in the first place. Um, otherwise, it's very easy to dismiss. Right. And right. This, this is just an example of, of the spring that had gone on through the day. It was a dry, dry day. And so what you're left with is a very thin canopy uh, of cloud cover, but nevertheless, it's there. Um, and you can see the ribbing in this mm-hmm. much more prominent, more recent trail, probably no more than about 20 minutes old. And look at the definition of the edges of it. I mean, it's just like this tube that's just cut right out of the sky. Yeah, it's been rolled and, and diced. <laughs> and that, that's just the technology, the the ribbing and the, of the scalar technology, just whether it's like a carrier wave, and that's just tone that we're seeing. Um, is probably what's happening, rather than a, than a good directional push, um, resulting in more squares. We're just seeing the tone of, of the grid turned on. Um, the next picture down is we're fairly close in. And this was uh, recent, I think, a 19 December or Sunday. Um, later on in the day, so we're within a few hours, well, within two hours of sunset. One hour sunset, and you can see a square. And I'll, pro- I'll progressively zoom out, so you can see that the whole cloud has just been diced. Um, it should have been alto cumulus clouds, and probably would be. Just you take cotton balls, throw them on the on the floor, get them fairly close, and that's the shape that they should be. There's going to be some alignment. There will be several clouds lining up in a, in a row, but not this pattern. Oh yeah, this is just they're just like stacked on top of one another. And, and even the individual clouds will have holes cut out of them or cut in half. And it just, uh, 
Oh, my God. Look at that. Yeah. The more you look, the more you think it's just as right. And when you have a day of the square clouds, to get the scorpion cloud show up is like, ooh, i got to get this. Right, right, right. So then you know that um, somebody's running a different program. Hmm. Um, hmm. And, yeah, and I think uh, one, two, three, yeah, four pictures of, of um, a square um, event, which should have been an alpha cumulus clouds, or the day should have been entirely clear, right. which is uh, my feeling. That should have been just a sunny day. Uh, from start to finish, and they said, nope, 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 you don't get the sunshine today, we'll turn on the clouds. Just like you not getting the snow or the ice mm -hmm. earlier in the week, it's just, it's not up to us anymore. You know, we do, you have our best guess, and uh, sometimes it's nowhere near. <laughs> right, because right. they can change it at any moment. Yeah. So, Hey, uh, all right, there, there, there's an image, I want to make sure we're looking at the same one, but there's an image that's just blowing my mind, and it is directly below the number 2304Z. And it looks like soldiers lined up or something. I mean, it looks like it doesn't... I can't believe it, the picture that I'm looking at. Um, 2304. 2304 oh, oh. is the, the Z, and it's the one yeah. below that. Yeah. What the hell is going on there? That was just turning around. Uh, I'm shooting the pictures. The three pictures are above. I'm looking northeast. All I did is turn around and look down the valley with My the sun setting God. in the southwest. And that's how stacked up these clouds were. I mean, this thing looks like uh, it looks like a checkerboard, but it, but it it actually reminds me of like a fractal. It's like infinite. It, I mean, it goes. It starts out at the beginning of the on the upper right, and it just goes all the way to the lower left corner. Gets smaller and smaller and smaller all the way across the entire image. I, I've never seen anything like that. And, and then the clouds, basically straight lines that have been dissected. Right, straight. It, it looks as if somebody took a big, giant cloud and just took a knife mm -hmm. and started slicing perpendicular and uh, ver okay. vertical and horizontal cuts in the cloud to make... And that's exactly what happened. That's okay. exactly how that cloud formation is formed on a day-to-day -day basis. Amazing. It, um, again, it, it's... And the next, what was it, a uh, couple of days prior is the next image below. And it was a cool front working down the valley. Right. And this is another one. It looks like, it looks like again, they're built. This, this looks like a big, heavy uh, cloud. I mean, and again, I'm, I, like to, I, I want to give, I wanna give the, uh, the novice's impression of this uh, because Scott has such an eye for it. Uh, I, I just want to give a quick description of these uh, because I don't have the eye that he does, and I want, I want to try to explain it in uh, just my terms as, as, a, as, a, as a not, a, not a very well-trained observer of this thing. But this amazing, you know, just like a heavy cloud formation, but again, these layers that are clearly defined by uh, straight line borders with, with cuts in them. It's just what, what makes it unique, Mike, is that clouds normally form from the bottom up. When you, when you see a front rolling in, it's, it's the bottom. It starts from the bottom and gets darker. These clouds started at the top and worked down as they were literally told on the edge of the cube you know, cloud forms at 2,300 feet above sea level. The next level, you're at uh, 2,100 feet above uh -huh. sea level. The next one, you're 1,900 feet above sea level. And you can see that stair-stepping action oh, yeah. as the cubes 
gradually work down to the valley floor to deliver the rain. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it is, it is perfectly clear to me when I see it. I mean, they literally are these stacks that are just mm-hmm. clearly defined one on top of the other. Okay. And, and they start from the top because that's where the moisture is the richest um, at that time, but yet the moisture is still insufficient to generate this event, this front, this snow shower naturally. Yeah, and, and even if you look closer at this, I mean, all of these photos, you, uh, for the people out there, you, the closer you look at them, the more that comes out. I'm looking in the upper left-hand corner of this one, and there's, uh, like, there's like a triad sort of thing of, of like, like uh, oh, Neptune's triad that, yep. that has like these three spikes coming out of it, and that, again, is one of these things, what, what, what makes that happen? So, yeah, it, it, and see, I've gotten pictures of captain's wheels. Oh, I saw that. Yeah, I saw that. Phenomenal. Yeah, incredible. Just suspended in the air. Yeah. And and I didn't know it was there when I was taking the picture. I I was shooting the bottoms of the clouds, and that just happened to be in uh, one of the breaks between the clouds. And uh, I was able to get two pictures within nine seconds of each other, and it was it was there, but um, not as pronounced in the second image. Hmm. But uh, oh, once you start looking, Mike. Oh, next picture down. All right, let's see what's next. Um, this is uh, the next day. The fronts move through, and what we're left with are what we, what we typically call just fractal or um, fractured clouds, fractured mm-hmm. cumulus clouds. They're just, just bits and pieces, um, and, and, and they're there, but they still line up to the cube. They line up to the grids, <laughs> and I, you know, I outline what they look like. You know, where, where the grid, and you can see the cut lines through them. Um, again. Clouds should be forming off a similar or a common base. When you go to the lower portion of this picture, the uh, lower clouds off in the distance, and you can see the flat bases. But up close, yes, yeah, yes, I see what you're talking about. See, they're they're, they're sloped and angled, and and should not be there for the conditions present in the atmosphere. Hmm. It's just a remnant of um, of the scalar weaponry, not being perfect, but running an awfully good weather program. Amazing, awfully good. All right. Hey, look, we're at the top of the hour. Let's take a break here and uh, be back in a minute, okay? All right. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is Mike Hayden. You're listening to Radio Orbit on KOPN. My guest is Scott Stevens, meteorologist and weatherman from uh, the state of Idaho. And uh, Scott's a guest of the program uh, for the second time, and uh, hopefully we'll have him again. And uh, in the meantime, you are listening to KOPN 89.5 FM, Mid-Missouri source for in-depth news, diverse talk, and music of the world. It's more than radio, it's community radio. And it's also your imagination station, KOPN 89.5 FM, serving Columbia, Ashland, Harrisburg, Midway, Versailles, New Haven, Jeff City, down at the lake, Tibet, Sturgeon, all kinds of places around mid-Missouri. All right, uh, back in a minute, more weather manipulation and weather modification talk with Scott Stevens from www.weatherwars.info. In the meantime, this is Woven Hand with the Speaking Hands. By the way, anybody who wants a... uh, archived CD-ROM from cyberspaceorbit.com. Call me right now at 874-5676. 
area code 573. KOPN. This is Mike. It's just a few minutes after 4 o'clock, and I'm on the air with my friend Scott Stevens. And we're talking about some funky cloud formations. <laughs> hey, Scott, how's it going? Oh, pretty good. Pretty right. good. Uh, yeah, enjoying, uh, enjoying the evening. Good music. Hey, I appreciate it. Yeah, I'm trying to play some new stuff tonight. I came across some stuff in the last couple of weeks that uh, uh, kind of 
it kind of struck me, so I've just been playing some of that stuff tonight. I'm glad that you like it. So I know you have I know you have an ear for music too, uh, sort of off topic, but I can tell uh, that you enjoy good music. So. <laughs> oh, I just uh, oh the college days <laughs> when you were exposed to so much more than you are today. No doubt, man. No doubt. Where'd you go to? Where did you go to college, Scott? Kansas. Kansas. That's right. Yep. Jayhawk, right? Jayhawks, yep. Y- yep. You know, 88. That's, that's the year Danny Manning took us to the end. All right. There you go. That's hilarious because, uh, you know, I'm here in Missouri, and you guys, uh, the, for the for the MU Tigers, the Jayhawks are a pretty big rival. Oh, yeah. Sit down, Norm. <laughs> <laughs> How funny. All right. Well, anyway. Uh, oh, the field house. <laughs> yeah, the field house. All those places still here. In fact, I'm, 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 I'm at uh, 915 East Broadway here at the station, and I'm, I'm just... Uh, Oh, I don't know. I could, I could, I could be down. I could have a beer in my hand within about, uh, well, if they were open, probably 30 seconds if I walk out of the station. Oh, I'll so. wait. I'll wait. <laughs> <Hope> get one. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah, we'll have to get you back here one of these days, and we'll do a show from the studio, and uh, and we'll go out and have a have a drink together. So. Oh, definitely. Yeah, we can uh, visit game and get back in time. Yeah, no doubt. So. Oh. All right, where are we? We are. Uh, we were looking at. Let's go to that next image. We're on the one that says. December 15th, 2004, yeah. uh, a week front from the day before. The picture above, oh, let's see, we want to go to the one below we that. We want to right? go to the next one. Okay. Whoa. Isn't that cool? That one looks like it's got like a square hole cut right out of the middle of it. Exactly. Exactly. That's, um, and. And a step formation deal right below it. Oh, my God. It looks like mm-hmm. that, that. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, I, I just, I'm, I'm just astounded by it. It's just cool. I mean, this is just the bottom of a of a gray cloud. Take your camera out, snap the pictures, take it back into in, into Photoshop or PaintShop or, or whatever you want to use, and play with the contrast and see what's there. Because so often in the bright days, you know, our eyes are just not the instruments that are best, mm-hmm. you know, to pick out the uh, the details that that give the secret away. And this is just a lifting, a lifting routine to just give the give the cloud a punch. What do you What do you mean by a lifting routine? Um, if you're to generate clouds or to generate a thunderstorm, the what you have to have is energy. And typically, in the natural meteorological processes, that energy comes in two forms: heat or moisture. Okay. Um, and if both of those or either one of those ingredients is sufficient to generate the thunderstorm, you have to add the lift. And that can come from the scalar image, the scalar weaponry, just either chilling the atmosphere and then creating the, the heat from below rushing upwards um, in that colder atmosphere will create the lift. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or you can literally whip the clouds. And uh, if you look at time-lapse Im- imagery um, of cumulus clouds, you can see the squares, you know, just whipping, whipping the water like a paddle wheel. And um, what we're getting is, is lift here. And you can see, again, we talk about symmetry. Um, in the center is is one of the squares, one of the areas of lift, and then off towards the lower left-hand corner is the opposite. Mm-hmm. Um, is, is, again, it's matching pattern. And, Scott, I see also sort of a halo that's sort of like a perfect arc that mm-hmm. goes around the entire top from from left to right, a little bit a little bit less prominent on the left hand side of the image, but certainly there. Yeah, but it ends halfway through. Right, it just yeah. cuts off right there. Why does it do? Th- that's just. Uh, that's one of those walls that it just puts up, exactly. right? Exactly. Exactly. Or at the end of the like, what did you call it? The border of the cube. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's uh, yeah, just that's the end of that zone right. uh, where where heat has been uh, added or removed. I don't know what they're doing. I'd like to see it from the top. You know, it just what I get one view. I'd like below. to see it from the top. I would. <laughs> I would. I'd like to see these these processes at work. That's interesting. I, it would be. I would love to ride for a week with uh, you know in the front of a cockpit of a jet. You know, a commercial aircraft. That's enough. That's enough clouds for me to see. I don't need to have a special one. Mm-hmm. You know, just let's go cross country a couple of times, and you know, and shoot these pictures and watch these trails and, and look for unusual things. What do, we, do we get any of that uh, from uh, satellite imagery that's available to us? Oh, we we do, we do, but just not the detail of of individual clouds and or being, being right on top of it, like you're talking about. Right. Huh? You know, at, at thirty-five thousand feet or fifty thousand feet would be sweet. Right. You know, and, and that. That kind of imagery is obviously available to to those that have access to the to, to the good satellites. Right there. Right, um, right. 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 And so they've known. Watch the uh, space shuttle video or shuttle or space station when they just point the camera down to the Earth and then just let it go. Sometimes on the NASA channel they'll run mm-hmm. uh, their galleries version. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and there's some cool stuff in there too. And these guys know. They know that that the weather's messed up. And at some point. The information will come through from uh, from the guys back in D.C. Um, and to me, there's already been some writing between the lines, and they're they're telling us as much as their bosses are letting them. Right. Well, you know, it to me anymore, it's self-evident. I don't need anyone to tell me anything. All I got to do is look around the world and look around my own country and my own region, and and uh, and and it, and anybody that has a memory. Uh, and that's been alive more than 25 or 30 years should be able to remember back to a time when weather just was not the way it is now. And and I'm I'm I mean summer winter whatever I've I, it's it's just not the same. It, and it isn't. It isn't. And you cannot warm the planet as much as it has warmed over the last 70 years and not have an effect on our kinds of winters, our length of summers, our intensity of thunderstorms, or the greater duration of droughts globally. That just, um, you know, that that's a symptom of the warming rather than a than a cause of the warming. But uh, it, it, like you said, it's self-evident, and and that's why I'm talking. That's why it's not a matter of me having the courage or, or brevity. It's just it, it's happening. It's obvious to anybody who just bloody well looks up into the sky right. you see these things man, man, man. No, it, it's not a reach it's, it simply is not a reach anymore um, the next picture down um, cirrus clouds or what should be cirrus clouds <laughs> and uh, yeah. well, some more right angles more right angles <laughs> you know, we've got three three clouds uh, left hand upper portion of, of the image and then off, off to the right or right upper left and nature doesn't like right angles typically people if you don't uh if you're not familiar with that, nature doesn't really prefer uh, angles like that. So, on a cold day, exhale your breath and have somebody take pictures of it and see how many embedded squares you get. <laughs> right. Or right. Or, a, or, a, or a river or a, or a brook or you know something like that. You just do not find these shapes occurring in natural forms. And we've got three squares inside of you know three right angles inside of each other. Right. Um, it just. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Next picture down, I was up towards uh, Yellowstone, and uh, high high clouds. Oh, cool! Great photo. Yeah. Where, where, cool? where were you at? Were you, were you doing some vacation lately? Doing, recently this or something? Was, uh, yeah, 
Exactly. I had to get to the top of the world, as we call it out here. Incredible. Um, up towards up towards Yellowstone, and uh, nice, nice squares and squares inside of squares. Um, wow! But wow. on a grand scale, you know, mm-hmm. twenty twenty mile arms, you know, banking off these high clouds. Right, and and a, and a, and, a, and a defining borderline that runs that whole perpendicular line, uh, or that whole that diagonal line on the upper left hand side. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And. One of the bands of Cirrus working towards that uh, upper band, towards the upper left-hand portion, has got clouds or squares cut out of the band. Right, right, right. If you look closer, you see those tendrils coming out again and more squares. It's, it's amazing, like, yeah. Scott. And, that, and now in the lower left, the far lower left corner, there's, it looks like a big giant cloud bank there off in the distance. That looks more like a normal... Thunderhead. Scene to yeah, Thunderhead building over there. Yeah. Now, is that a result related to what we're seeing here? Probably. 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 Well, thunderheads typically get their energy, again, from warming the ground, which then gives us the convective currents rising into the atmosphere. Right, right. If you create these hundreds of square miles of high clouds, you do not warm up the ground as much as you would under a clear day. Mm -hmm. So then there's less natural energy available for these thunderheads to develop, which are a nearly at least in every other day occurrence in the mountain west. Hmm. But in the drought that we've been in, you get the clouds going up, you get the lightning strikes, but you don't get the rain. Oh, yeah. I mean, for uh, uh, again, for my listeners out there, I lived in Denver for 15 years. And when I moved to Denver, it was 1987 or 88. And it was on a spring, an early summer afternoon, almost every day of the week, at between 3 o'clock and 5 o'clock in the afternoon, you would always get a little shower, um, always. And it would happen five or six days a week, in all spring and usually into the summer months early. Uh, that no longer happens in Denver, and it hasn't for a number of years. And, in fact, uh, lots of my friends who still live there have noticed it. We've all talked about it. They don't, I don't think, understand... Uh, maybe the methodology or what's behind the fact that it's not raining on those afternoons anymore, but everybody notices that it's not raining anymore in the afternoons in Denver. And, and what that does is it just puts a great stress on the vegetation that has um, grown accustomed to that, that climate. That climate, yeah. It literally changes the biosphere. I mean, it, it, Exactly. Right. Exactly. And you end up with long-term droughts that... You know, we, we try to correlate to a Pacific Decadal Oscillation or to El Nino or La Nina and can't tie these events, and so we look for other cycles right. that may or may not exist. Hmm. But um, we, we don't look, and if we are looking and have acknowledged what it's coming from, at least at uh, the upper echelons of, of the weather industry, they're not sharing it with uh, the underlings. Hmm. And, uh, and hence, we... We continue to, to plant and pretend like nothing's, nothing's changed because we can't pin the reason for the drought on a natural process. Right. Um, so we just lump it under global warming. <laughs> <sighs> the next picture down. You know, you know, Scott, before we go to the next one, I'm thinking about Yellowstone, too. And, you know, we know Yellowstone is what they call now a super volcano or something. And basically the whole, that, that whole part of... Uh, that whole region is just a big giant volcano that's dormant and sitting there, and uh, mile wide caldera. My gosh! So now, uh, and it's not dormant. Right, that's it's, what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. And, in, and, in, and in fact, uh, yeah, dormant means nothing other than it's just not blowing right now. <laughs> don't don't wade through any of those hot 
hotbeds or right. pots or yeah. Right, there are areas of Yellowstone now that are so hot that the ground that the vegetation is dying and the animals are leaving because the ground's freaking 200 degrees or something like that. This planet will take her weather back. She'll take it back. I mean, she she is not a dumb rock. This planet will take itself back and will balance itself. Oh, I realize that, Scott. I realize that. And we just, when it happens, um, she's essentially said, your time is up. Your time is up to rectify the situation. Um, Now, what wouldn't be kind is if it's stimulated into activity. Right, if somebody does this, uses this technology again that you're talking about. Yep. And, uh... And who's to say that it hasn't happened? You know, that, that, that the bulge underneath Yellowstone Lake, which is several football fields in, in diameter, in, in length, and last thing I read, that the bottom of that lake had risen by nearly 30 feet. Yeah, yeah. In, Not, fact, in, yeah, in fact, more than that, I think, Scott. Yeah, I, I haven't seen any anything from this latest summer. That was a big thing last summer, but I haven't seen much this year. Yeah, in fact, I think this summer it did the same thing, and I think there was a, there was a story that was something like it raised a hundred feet in two days or something crazy like that. So it's still rising. Yeah, that'd send a wave out. That would send a wave. Oh man. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you know that, and and speaking of volcanoes again, just for a second, you know there were a couple of volcanoes now. Three or four now, actually, that have that have gone active since that Sumatran quake. Uh, one of which, and I thought this was actually pretty funny, one of those uh, volcanoes that's now erupting, uh, they said was an extinct volcano. And uh, so I guess that goes back to our previous point that, I, you know, <laughs> I, I guess there's no such thing as an extinct volcano. <laughs> no. It's just a tap to the mantle. Right, right, right. The plug has been solid for a while. Right, right. Uh, anyway, okay, let's move along. Let's go to this next one here. Um, next picture. A lot of blue skies. Right, right, but, right. But what we find are cirrus clouds, you know, growing, and they look rather electrical as they grow. But we find, again, the, the complement, the squares at the base where mm-hmm. the cirrus clouds are forming. And these squares There's are that step pattern again. Right, right. Yeah, the step pattern off. And then the, the wispy, the angel hair working to the upper portion of the cloud is the ice crystal being rained, if you will, out of this fake cloud. So that's being pulled out of the cloud or that's being drawn into the cloud? Um, it's uh, pushed out. Pushed outward, okay. As yeah, the cloud and moves, the crystals are left behind. Yeah, and for those of you who aren't able to look at this, it's a wispy sort of cirrus cloud with these streamers that just go directly up and away from it, but they're distinct lines. Uh, and again, we have this uh, this 90 degree phenomenon that's just astounding. So anyway, about two hours later is when I took the Scorpion cloud. Huh. So that was th- that was that same day, I believe it was 13 December. Right. Uh, even on the lower portion of this cirrus cloud, the bright one, you can see the embedded squares. Yeah. Still covered covered by the the cirrus running out, but, I mean, they're running at uh, not quite 90 degrees to the, uh, the wispy cirrus above. Right, right, right. But uh, nevertheless, those are, these are very, very common clouds to, to see now. And, and look for the blank square at the root of these clouds. And you'll see it there nearly mm-hmm. every time. Incredible. Every time. Um, wow. big, big day with lots of squares um, farther up in the page. Um, this was that day's sunset was the next picture down. Yeah, that's actually, regardless of what's going on, it's a beautiful picture. And one of probably a hundred I took that night because it, it, it changed so 
quickly. And it, within the bottom of the clouds, ripples, squares, and just sharp, sharp zones. Uh, okay. Let me ask you a question. Yeah. Is, uh, is any of this stuff available? I mean, that, that's something that somebody might want on their wall. Ooh. You know, uh, are are you thinking about making this stuff available to the public, maybe, to help out your uh, your, your website and stuff? I visited some art galleries in Jackson Hole this week, in um, in an effort to get some of this stuff out. You know, it's there. There isn't art like this anywhere. Right, it's, it's incredible. There. And uh, so it's it's a very unique niche that I'd like to I'd like to fill. But um, and and once you understand the scalar aspect of the clouds. You gotta have one on the wall. Right, it's also a historical uh, uh, evidentiary document. <laughs> it is. It truly is. And, so. and the thing is, anybody can get it. Uh. It's there for everybody. Right. Uh. Well, just just let me know as that progresses, because I'd be glad to to, uh, to uh, put them up on the site or something. So, okay. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm getting there, buddy. I'm All right. getting there. Yeah. Well, this I, one's awesome. So. I, I really haven't decided whether to to go out and get a high def ca- uh, camera. And then put together a video. Which oh, is that'd kind, be cool too. Kind of the way I, I, I'm leaning uh, presently, because then it can be used on the air. Well, you know, uh, there's a big difference between moving pictures and stills. And if you can see these things in formation, and if somebody, uh, you know, a chemtrail operation, for example, there's nothing more convincing than to watch a time lapse mm-hmm. of of uh, of that whole that whole uh, operation I mean that 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 will convince pretty much anyone and if if it doesn't convince you it just means you're probably not willing to be convinced I think because those yeah. things are quite obvious now too so and have been for many years so and, and that's something I haven't uh, seen much of is time lapse of, uh, of the crisscrossing of the sky there really hasn't been much of that done and I've, I've, I've been looking for it even even the people that uh, that are really into that research Clifford Carnicom and some of these other guys uh, uh, there, there is not a lot of video, and it would be, and I've actually thought about it. It wouldn't take that much to do it. You just got to get out there with the camera and spend the time. Well, um, but they're doing it everywhere. It's not hard to hard to find. Yeah, and the challenge is, and this is a project or a quest of mine over the last two months, is to find the right DV cam uh, that will do proper interval recording to get this done right. Hmm. And there, there are not many cameras out there, you know, for less than five grand to do right, that. Right, right, right. So then you're left with webcams mm-hmm. and um, yes. actually, actually I've started that I've, I've built the PC today and got the cameras yesterday so that uh, that is a project that I will have underway hopefully beginning tomorrow all right to cool begin that time lapse because um, now, do, you get, do you get reasonable resolution with it um, you know if you use a Logitech quick cam 4000 pro it can't take megapixel stills Hmm. And then the challenge has been finding the proper time lapse uh, or the webcam software to generate the time lapse. Right, well, you can just have it automated where it ch- takes a shot every X amount of seconds or every whatever. One, one frame per second is what I'm shooting for. I'd, I'd settle for one for every two frames. But many of the expensive DV cams, uh, you're stuck with 15 frames or a half a second recording every 30 seconds. Uh, you still have to deal with it in post production. Right, right. And that's, I don't want to do that. Right. So, um, yeah, I'm believing webcams and spend the money spend the money to get a good camera okay. um, you're going to be looking at its output for, for months 
Right. Don't spend the money, a hundred bucks, and get a good webcam. Right. It's like when you buy a stereo, buy good speakers. Oh, please. <laughs> please. I've, I've seen these guys, they have a Macintosh amp, and then they got these junky old speakers. I'm like, you can't, you're not going to hear that amp with those speakers. So. Yeah, they just... We only have so much money when we start to buy. <laughs> anyway, okay, let's uh, let's move along here. Um, next picture down is a satellite. That's a satellite photo, okay. Yeah, and we're looking at uh, western northern Utah and the portions of Nevada. Um, and when you begin to look at weather systems from this angle, you begin to see how detailed uh, hmm. or at how advanced that this uh, this grid is. Um, it's uh, it, it's it's amazing, and the weather guys look at this and go, "Holy cow!" You know, we don't see the detail because we look at maps, we look at satellite imagery in animation. Right. We don't look at it frame by frame, and we rarely look at it at one kilometer resolution, where one pixel equals essentially six blocks or one kilometer okay. in size, and that's what this is. And I'd even like to have half kilometer or hundred meter resolution, mm-hmm. and it would be it would be truly impressive to see the signatures atop the clouds. And hence my desire to fly shotgun in a jet. Right, right, right. Um, well, this is pretty impressive in and of itself here. So um, well, uh, Vegas, toward the bottom of the picture, right. bottom, and you can kind of see. And I don't have it arrowed. There's a hole uh, running, at basically a black spot. I and see it. It's right, right to the left of Lake Mead. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where Vegas is. And again, enjoying sunshine that should not be there. You, you know, climb up farther through the state, and there's, uh, I guess I do have it have it uh, arrowed, but you've got two, um, what looks like uh, dice with the number four on them. And uh, <laughs> you'll find these, these squares with yeah, holes. I see it. I see it. And uh, it's just not natural. I'll be damned. Um, much of western, or yeah, western and northern Utah cleared out. Again, shouldn't be cleared out. Right. I mean, just a hole right there in the middle. Uh, no reason. Everything else is covered. And uh, and, and and all kinds of this interesting, uh, these signatures that Scott's talking about on the outskirts of that hole. So you can tell that it's been uh, that that it's being artificially modulated. You can just see. I mean, did you can just tell? Yeah, it is. It's obvious. I mean, when you look at from the previous images that we've been looking at, seeing, you know, at a, uh, seeing those uh, those formations close close up, and then you look, you pull back and look at the satellite and see this uh, this cutaway in the middle of what should be just a, a big giant overcast scene. It's, yeah, I mean, yeah. incredible. It, it is. Um, let's flip down. Uh, we uh, go to. Uh, this is Georgia, Florida, um, yeah, Alabama. Um, another another satellite image here. Another satellite image. We've got four of them here, and this is the second one. Um, a squall line moving through with the blue box indicating that it looks like uh, it is a tornado watch box, number 904. And we're, we're back to 24 November, about 5 o'clock Eastern time, and there are two squall lines running through, one through the northeastern portion of the image, and I've got it arrowed out. Right, right, I see it. But every one of these cells has billows running, running along the top of it. Right. And it's this lifting mechanism, this uh, cooling, where you basically thread the, the thunderstorm with rebar kind of thing and then turn on the refrigeration huh. or push it. Uh, a direction, and thereby as you push the atmosphere away from the top of the or from the center of the thunderstorm, 
you advance the lift or draw additional air up from below and create a stronger storm than would be there naturally. Right. Um, it's just one storm after the other, and they're all identical. Well, not all identical, but again, the, the mechanism wow. is the same. Yeah, and I, I, I'm looking at the next one down now, and again, I see that uh, our, our, our right angle step patterns uh, again now on a big scale, though. I mean, over Minneapolis, St. Paul. Right, it's right over Minneapolis. Look at that. January 1st, late afternoon, with some sunshine, and it should have been probably a cloudy, snowy day. Sure, the whole rest of the area is covered with thick, heavy cloud cover. And again, there's just these square cutaways. Yep. Yep. It's, I mean... Well, I guess that they go on and on, Scott. Yeah. There's Every picture you download, it's just, it's the same thing. Um, yeah, we've lost the weather. That war has been lost. Um, at least as far as keeping it in a natural process. For now. For now. For now. It, it's like, how do you say it? You dike the river to keep the flood at bay. Right, right, right. But they still let it flood. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, we we don't have to have tornadoes. We don't have to have all of this bad stuff associated with weather, but yet we do, and on a grander scale as the years move on. Yeah, it's just the whole idea of using the technology in a in a fashion that's either creative or destructive. You know, and so. until people are aware that it's happening, mm-hmm. this will go on, and maybe even after they're aware of it, then it just gives. Another reason to go to orange alert. Hmm. You know, uh, right. we lose the tornado warning from the National Weather Service, but yet it comes then from Homeland Security. <laughs> For love of God. Yeah, I know. Starts issuing the warnings. And then, I don't even know if I want to say it, hmm. you know, when will this information be cut off? Right, right, right. So we can't even download or, or look at current weather information across the world. Well, I don't know. I'm hoping that that doesn't happen. And I think. Oh, me too. I think that. Uh, Luckily, I think that our, our, our resources on the web are getting so great and diverse that I don't think, I think that cutting it off uh, would be cutting their own throat. I don't think they can do it now without eliminating the whole, the whole deal. I hope so. I hope so. I mean, I'm trying to be positive about it, but the web, I mean... Uh, this they blame it on natural processes then. Yeah, again, you don't know. We don't know. So. Yeah. Well, hey, look, Scott, I think, uh, I think we're going to call it call it quits here uh, again as always man thanks so much for your time and uh, for sharing this amazing and important information uh, uh, with me and my listeners and uh, we'll, 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 uh, we'll make this obviously something that we, that we do uh, reasonably frequently so uh, because this stuff is changing all the time and uh, it, it, like we talked about at the beginning of the show Scott the butterfly effect is real and we need to be watching these things because we really don't know I mean, really, I, 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 in my own personal opinion, is that these guys are just Promethean. I mean, they're just playing with fire, and, 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 and they, it may appear to be under control and all this stuff, but I think it, at any moment uh, things could, could change. So We're cutting our teeth on the technology. Man, oh, man, no doubt. Yep. All right, well, thank uh, you, Mike. Like, yeah, Scott, uh, thank, thank you one more time. Ladies and gentlemen, that has been uh, Scott Stevens, uh, meteorologist from the state of Idaho. His information can be found at www.weatherwars.info and uh, you can also get to his uh, stuff from either my site at www.radioorbit.com or Kent Stedman's site www.cyberspaceorbit.com Scott, thanks again one more time. You're welcome. Take care of yourself. Take care.
All right, you guys, uh, that was Scott, and uh, appreciate him being with us. Let's uh, cheer things up a little bit and uh, be back in a minute. This is Mike Hagan. You're listening to Radio Orbit. This is the tragically hip escape is at hand for the traveling man.
this is Mike Hagan. You're listening to Radio Orbit, and that was the Tragically Hip. Escape is at hand for the traveling man. I uh, hope things are going well for you. It is about 4.40 in the, uh, in the morning on Sunday, the 9th of January. And uh, Carol, Greenspan, uh, Carol Greenspan will be coming up in just about 20 minutes doing Jewish Spectrum for you. She does the show every Sunday following my show from 5 o'clock until 7 o'clock. And hope you stick around and listen to Carol. And uh, uh, anyway, what do you think about that stuff from uh, Scott Stevens? He's no dummy. The guy's a meteorologist. He's a weatherman. He does it for a living. Uh, has been for many, many years. And uh, he thinks there's some very strange things going on with the weather. And certainly there are very strange things going on everywhere. That's <laughs> certainly the way it appears to be going. So anyway, if you have any thoughts, if you have any ideas, uh, any comments on the program, uh, any ideas for future shows, any concerns, anything you like, you don't like, whatever, send me an email. The email address is orbitradio, O-R-B-I-T-R-A-D-I-O, at AOL.com. And as you know, you can always uh, check things out and communicate with me via the website at www.radioorbit.com. That's R-A-D-I-O-R-B-I-T.com. Back in a minute, this is live on Radio Orbit KOPN.
Finishing things up here on Sunday morning, the 9th of January, and this has been Radio Orbit. And we got just a few minutes left here before Carol comes in and does Jewish Spectrum like she does every Sunday morning. And um, I'm going to leave you with one thought, and it's a thought that kind of recurred as I was talking to Scott Stevens tonight. And that idea is the idea of the butterfly effect. And I'll go through it again real fast. 
And the way it actually came up was back in the... It actually was related to weather. Uh, when, the, when the terminology was coined was back in the 50s, um, maybe the early 60s, but late 50s, early 60s, and they were beginning to do weather modeling and things like this with computers. Now, computer technology today is obviously many, many, many times greater than it was back then. But even back then, they were trying to do uh, weather modeling and forecasting and try to improve all this stuff. Well, what they, what a group of scientists determined was that they could never create a model that was sophisticated enough because uh, the system was so dynamic that the flutter of a butterfly's wing or the flutter of a moth's wing in Asia could create a hurricane in the Atlantic, for example. And they meant this in a real way, that these very small changes uh, could result in huge, huge effects uh, in the entire system that were unpredictable and unexpected. And we see this throughout the universe. We see this everywhere um, because systems are very dynamic. I mean, just think about your life. Think about how one small decision that you made or didn't make uh, changed the entire course of a particular part of your life. In my own life, I have many things that I could tell you about that at the time were seemingly insignificant and irrelevant. But, oh my gosh, the implications of those particular choices or decisions turned out to be, whew, you know, pretty astounding. And so it happens in our personal lives. It happens in the natural world. And uh, it's real. And it happens in the laboratory, too, in chemistry. You know, I may have told the story before about equilibrium and disequilibrium, but that particular idea is one that can be borne out in the laboratory. If you have a system that is at equilibrium, it is stable and strong. And relatively speaking, it takes a lot of energy to move that system out of equilibrium. Well, when you have a system that is in disequilibrium, a very small amount of energy, the butterfly effect, a very small amount of energy directed in any particular vector can result in a brand new equilibrium that was unexpected and unpredicted. So this effect is real and it happens all around us all the time. And when we uh, mess around with things like the weather and the oceans and all of these natural systems on the planet, I uh, don't think that we can't have some effect because sometimes very small things lead to very big things. So stick around. We'll finish up with some music, but keep that in mind. I hope you listen next week. We'll be airing an interview with Jonathan Miller Weisberger, a wonderful ethnobotanist doing some great work in a botanical sanctuary 
and a retreat on the Pacific coast of Costa Rica, a place called Guaria de Osa. We'll talk to Jonathan next week. In the meantime, this is the Dave Matthews Band. I appreciate you all listening. This has been Mike Hagan, Radio Orbit on KOPN. Situation in these typical times. Too many choices. Everybody's happy. Everybody's free. Keep the big door open. Everyone will come around. While you defend. While you that way. If you don't get in line, we'll lock you away. Six senses feeding fire around a sense of sound. Four seasons turn on and turn on. I can see three corners from this corner. Two's a perfect number, but one. Everybody's happy, everybody's free. We'll keep the big door open. Everyone will come around. Why you different? Why are you that way? If you don't get in line, we'll lock you away. Everybody's happy, everybody's free. We'll keep the big door open. Everyone will come around. Why are you different? Why are you that way? Situation in these typical times, too many choices. Yeah. It's a typical situation in these typical times, too many choices. We can do anything about it. Too many choices. Typical situation in these typical times. Too many choices. Everybody's happy. Everybody's free. We'll keep the big door open. Everyone will come around. Where are you different? Where are you that way? Everybody's free, we'll keep the
Yeah. 